Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 16, entitled Last Day on Earth. Uh, what do you think of this episode, Aaron? Uh, I don't know. I might have a surprising take. Uh, okay. There is a lot of stupid bullshit in this episode, and a lot of kind of morgalizing and, and, and whatnot, and they drew, they drug out the reveal of Negan way too long. Uh, but I actually found this episode surprisingly entertaining. I enjoyed watching it. Um, I am not even close to quitting on The Walking Dead. I, but this, the, the what they did at the end, is right. in fucking defensible, man. Yeah, like, and, uh, and and what's I, I I went to all the the usual spots, the forums, uh, Alan Supperwall's comments, uh, Reddit, and I'm not seeing many people defending this decision. Yeah, I just got done, well, most of the way done with compiling emails uh-huh. uh, and sorting that all out. And the vast majority of the takes are like, what the fuck? This is bullshit. I, I don't there see... are some dissenters, but very few. Like you you perfectly cast and costume and, and actually do a very good job of boulderizing Negan's dialogue. Right. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan is awesome, and he's charismatic, and he hits all the right notes, and then you just willfully fuck up the ending. Like, I'm trying to think, you know, it's impossible not to compare it to, like, Game of Thrones, and I'm not going to, even though it's been three fucking years, I'm not going to get into particular spoilers on that. But (laughs) there are signature moments in that show, and say what you will about it, you know, the rise and fall of the quality on Game of Thrones, they do tend to nail those moments, and the thought of them doing something like this, where you take a signature moment and you turn, trying to turn it to, if you go, to, if you want a cliffhanger, just fade the black at, before Negan starts the meeny miny mo stuff. Mm-hmm. Like to go ahead and and do the savage beating of some mystery person from some P. I, I saw some people on Reddit say that the point of view made it feel like they're beating the audience up. Okay. You know, oh, look at him. Take it like a champ. 17 million, you fuckers, going to be back next season. You know, it, it's gross. And I, I don't understand. I don't get it, man. I just I don't, don't get it. I don't get cliffhangers. I I guess, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. Like it used to, I think. Yeah. Uh, in Lost, there were a lot of these kind of, like, what the hell is going on. Well, but that's a great cliffhanger like, things. But like, sure. This, I, I'm over cliffhangers. Like, give me the emotional impact of something like a Game of Thrones, where uh, we have feedback about this, and I might talk about it a little there, but uh, that really works. Uh, so much of the Breaking Bad stuff works, and none of those are cliffhangers, necessarily. Well, I, I've, I've been saying this for in the spoiler section. I'm not sure if we talked about it. It probably must be in the spoiler section, but all you guys that avoid spoilers can hear it now. A cliffhanger, effectively, shouldn't be, oh my god, what's going to happen some titanic event happens and the and the cliffhanger is what is going to happen after you know what is going to be the reaction you don't you don't take the climax and 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 take and and put it to and, and it is here's another reason it's so disrespectful to fans especially the hardcore fans because mm-hmm. this absolutely will get fucking leaked as soon as the casting comes out as soon as cast photos start right. coming out as soon as the leaks come out, and like, is it a better experience for the fan to find out in the moment, in a cinematically satisfying way, in a devastating way, or to have it leaked out on some fucking Walking Dead fan site? Um, I, I just, 
I mean, again, I'm not anywhere close to give up on the show because I felt the back half of the season was super entertaining. Right. Speaking of spoilers, you're spoiling the entire email section. So, oh, <laughs> uh, maybe we won't talk okay. about this too much more okay. right now. What did um, you, I mean? I assume, but I overall, yeah, uh, overall, I don't think the episode was bad. I think it was a huge, huge clusterfuck at the end. Just big mistake with that cliffhanger. Uh, and and uh, okay, Let, let's leave that. But the scene building up to it, I felt personally because i knew the spoilers going in and i knew what was going to happen there i was waiting for it and i wasn't like oh this is so suspenseful like they're they're really doing a good job of making me wonder how this is all going to play out because i already knew and so for me it was hard to enjoy that scene without going come on get to the point like you've been talking about pp pants city for a half hour now like it was I felt like that tension... Ten-minute scene. I felt that tension was fine. I felt like the endless roadblocks starts to... I think it's better if you're unspoiled, though. Like, that scene is more suspenseful and more interesting if you're not spoiled with what's going on. I'm just saying, other side of the coin, I was digging it. I was having no problems. I felt like the pacing was great. Like, I felt like the big problems were... You know, arriving there structurally, there's too many fucking roadblocks. There's too many people in that circle. Like... You know, I don't think we needed every main cast member to be on their knees in front of Negan. And that made the, and he had to give everybody a little bit of attention, you know? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. it really should have been like half a dozen people there and beat the, and beat the holy hell out of one of them. And then we see everyone's reactions to it. And then what? And I don't know how much of this was because they couldn't film what they needed to film. Like it was just too disgusting or gross. But I saw Carol pull a zombie's face off. Yeah, I've seen people be beat to death with bats in this show before. I've seen Rick tear guys throat out. I don't. Yeah. I don't get it, man. It. Yeah. No, they're they're doing. I'm, I'm going back. Have... I'm going back and spoiling the the feedback again. Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about in feedback. Uh, I want to wait mostly until we get there. Um, but I, I'm with you. I I think the the pacing wasn't bad. Um, kind of splitting it up between Morgan and Carol and Rick and company on the road was a good idea. Um, that made it feel like, you know, instead of them having endless conversations uh, about morality and bullshit we've heard a thousand times while driving from roadblock to roadblock, uh-huh. we got to go off on this little road trip with Carol and Morgan. Yeah. Uh, Where they broke they up just, the monotony of it. Yeah. But unfortunately, most of their dialogue was just Carol it was. saying, did you read my letter? Here, let me state it in its entirety again. Are you not getting it? Yeah. <laughs> No, it's... Uh, but I, I've also felt like, aside from the dialogue there, yeah. I thought what they were doing was kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. The idea that Morgan has to kill now to protect the people he loves, and he's kind of... Carol's making the fucking point right mm-hmm. there uh, that she's been trying to say all along. And if he didn't get it before when she said, do you not fucking get it? Mm-hmm. He gets it now. I would hope. Did you watch any of The Talking Dead last night? I didn't, but uh, some people wrote in to tell me some things about it. I watched quite a bit, and it's like, man, I just once wanted Hardwick to go off script and and do some follow up. Like, I, I get it, it's but like, come on, you got to speak for uh, the like. It's one thing. I mean, the next divided because a lot of times we're the minority opinion, right? We like, mm-hmm. hey, this is all right, or this kind of sucks. It needs to be better. It should be better. It can be better, but it feels feels like. 
I don't know, 90% of the fan base is having this opinion, at least the passionate fan base that participates in online forums and watches things, things like The Talking Dead. Like, how yeah. much can they do this before The Walking Dead kills The Talking Dead as a cash mm. cow for them? Right. Well, I... I don't know. I mean, I don't fault I don't fault Chris Hardwick for not asking those questions because ultimately it's AMC's show. And next season, if he asks those questions, they come back as Talking Dead with Stephen Tobolowski or somebody else. Well, no, I I don't fault him either. He's getting a paycheck. He's doing the role that he's put on on that show to do. But you do wish he had that latitude. And I'm just saying, like AMC, I think could be ruining their own show. Although, how else do they? How else would they go about it? Yeah, and as long as they bring on the celebrities, people are going to watch it. I know it's you know. it's a real shame that none of this seems to have any consequences for the show. I don't know what the ratings are like. I haven't checked out in it's a been, while. It's but, been dipping, but not like you know they they haven't lost half their audience. It, you mean it's been dipping like a show that's been on the air for six seasons? No, <laughs> it's not. It's been dipping a lot sl- slighter than that. It's slighter still, than that. Yeah, oh. it's still. I, I think last Jeez. I looked, there's still thirteen, fourteen million people watching this thing from okay. a high of like eighteen. Yeah, so. that seems like season six type of show, but uh, just one that started off extremely high. Sure. Uh, I don't know. You want to get into the recap on this? Yeah, just a couple we'll notes in, the, in early going. I kind of broke things because it was so fragmented, yeah. and we're just going around and getting all these. I, I, I kind of put some of this together, so kind of roll with it. Hey, uh, before we get into the episode proper, I want to uh, uh, mention again that we're playing through the latest Telltale Walking Dead video game. Uh, this is the one that centers on Michonne's story, or as we like to call it, Bad Guy Michonne. Uh, we're releasing as a premium product. You have to get it at the club, club.baldmove.com. Uh, sign up. Now, if you're questioning, like, oh, is this something that I would actually be interested in? Good news. We have in two entire seasons of Telltale's Walking Dead playthroughs already. Uh, if you want to check out our channel, youtube.com slash baldmove, you can get all of Bad Guy Lee, which is the first season, and all of Bad Guy Clementine. It's our second season, and, you know, we always strive to make the worst decisions and be the biggest asshole in the game, and we have a lot of fun doing it. It's it's much more of a, a lighthearted, uh, poking fun at the universe and, and game. It's, it's you know, you, you know what our podcast is like. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Might be worth a buck to sign up for the club. Uh, anyway, we're going to be playing through that, and we'll have it released this week. Uh, check it out, club.baldmove.com. Um, first up, Daryl Vision. What the fuck? Is this actually Daryl Vision? Yes. Is it ever established that it's yeah, Daryl? Yeah, you can or hear Daryl clearly, Glenn like, moaning or... and breathing. I mean, it's somebody in that, it's a Michonne Daryl Glenn right. Vision. Right. But I don't know what point, it, it's, it, it happens like four times in the episode, and it's, it's, it's dumb. Yeah, it, it's, I guess, just showing them in captivity, beaten up, like. Being, you know, that you hear some whistle. I mean, it's essentially, I guess, teasing what's going to happen, but you don't know what's going to I mean... Well, the whole episode is teasing what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the, the build-up starts at the very beginning with this guy getting the shit kicked out of him. I don't know. It didn't work for me. I thought it was puzzling. Uh, you see Morgan wandering around. Uh, he, he passes this cardboard sign that says, You are alive, and finds a horse with a saddle on it. Probably what the dude in the armor yeah. was looking for last episode. And then tells the horse he's alive. I, who who alive. wrote that I sign? Know. I don't know. I don't know. They used the standard Walking Dead, uh, you draw shit on signs font. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't get it. I feel like they're doing maybe like a Splinter Cell uh, type of thing where they just kind of write 
write the chapter names on a wall somewhere or like in the sky. <laughs> sure. Like maybe that's Morgan, just you are alive. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's not really there. Uh, we have a man with a rosary from the, 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 the sole survivor from the Carol ambush uh, following mm-hmm. horse tracks. Which I that really muddles. Like I don't know why is he following horse tracks. And is how that, does that imply that Carol? is that imply that Morgan got ahead of him somehow, even though he was behind, way behind? I don't. Wasn't it the dude in the armor that we see later? Wasn't weren't That's they true. both on horses? Maybe Didn't he like lose his horse. Maybe he's tracking them, but it. But how does that lead him to Carol? Well, they're going to the same place. Like they I are? thought he would. I'm just saying coincidentally. I, I don't I've I don't feel nasty... like that lines up because Carol would have to be in between You're right. the horse guy and Rick and Morgan and they meet in the middle somewhere. You're right. Carol should be at one of those points and uh, along the trail. Honestly, I have a lot of I have a lot of questions about this guy, this rosary guy as we go along. I'm not okay. ready to get there yet. Uh Carol or Carl. Car- Carl. Yes. <laughs> Not Carol. Carl is getting all geared up to go escort Maggie to the hilltop. They're all going to pile in an RV and go. Enid, who has now got you know religion about Alexandria and keeping everyone safe, wants to go with. Because why not? Why leave anyone competent behind uh, to guard this place? But Carl refuses because he doesn't want anybody else to die. It's like, I mean, uh, what do you think about Carl just shoving her in a closet and locking the door? I just wonder when she's going to stop caring about him, because he's treating her like shit at every turn. Yeah, I kind of thought we were out there a couple episodes back. Yeah, when they but, were out by the stumps or whatever. But man, I don't know that you take any woman, much less one like Enid, and lock her in a closet and be like, this is what's good for you. Right. I know what's good for you. Right. And that goes well. I, I can't imagine she's going to be happy when he gets back. But they really haven't shown her, like, what does she do? Does she run away from the fucking... I mean... I don't know. She's got a JSS, man. Yeah. She's got a JSS. And that was also, like, pretty low, Carl. (laughs) Like, unless you're... Unless this is a plot point that Carl's just being a shitbag teenager and Mm. and fucking around in relationships like they do. uh, But he seems to... I felt like they were playing it as, as like, Carl knows what the group needs. uh, And he's going to do what he can to protect them. And, like... Sure. This was portrayed as, like, a positive thing for Carl. Really? I thought so. I mean, I don't know. Later on, he asks Rick, like, something about yeah, doing I overheard what they you, need to survive. Everything's possible. I'm not going to let people die. Like, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't know. It didn't feel like they were particularly casting this as a negative thing. Yeah, I have an idea that I might talk about in the spoiler section of what they're trying to do here. Okay. Um, typically, it's not great, but I, it, it might be what they're trying to do. Uh Rick informs us that Maggie's getting worse, and indeed we see her, and she looks pretty uh, pale yeah. and drawn. Uh, Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene insist on going with them to the hilltop. Uh, Rick tries to talk Eugene out of it, but he will not be shine. He'll be their anchorman. Yes, he will. He just, like I said last night, he just starts quoting country music lyrics to him. <laughs> and Rick has got this exasperated, like, how did I lose control of Eugene? Yeah. Like, Abraham, okay, I expect it. I'm not ever going to take be able to take that bull by the horns and control him but fucking eugene i can't yeah. i can't order i can't cow or order him around what the hell give him an inch he takes a country mile uh, 23 of them to be exact <laughs> aaron then steps up <laughs> everyone everyone and like up. the man who you forced to eat applesauce at one point is now going to demand that he is let on the bus and okay uh, that's fine whatever i mean if 
if we're really going down this road where everybody abandons Alexandria, let's fucking do for, it. But but uh, that's <laughs> but it's insane for one pregnant woman. I know it's it's the most insane thing that they've done yet. They know they're in a fucking all-out war. If they didn't, they just had a whole bunch of other of half their other badasses that were off. And let's get this get this through our heads. Rick, the leader of this group, who's supposed to be there to protect these people at all costs, yes. is going off on some random mission. Yes. Why isn't he back at town instead of leaving Gabriel, who we haven't seen can protect himself, let alone this town, in charge of, of its defense? I'm he at- should be there running the show. Send Aaron, send somebody sure. who's a scout out to do this mission and stay back with your people. I mean, Seth Gillum, to his credit, is really selling this, um, you know, post-apocalyptic preacher routine. <laughs> or like, I'm right. I'm kind of buying that he's a badass, even I have zero evidence. That's the problem. Like, I, he's conveying it with his tone and his face, but I don't buy it yet. I no. just don't buy it. No, it, it's hard to get the the image of the pit, the the pants shitting betrayal. That you know, yeah. the cra- just how craven he's been. I mean, talk about Carl locking. Enid in a closet, and he's going to board up the windows on everybody's houses and take off <laughs> through the back door. Like, right, right. that's who this guy is. Don't, yeah, don't leave him in charge. Uh, he promises he'll protect Judith and not fail Rick. Uh, and then he says, "Are you comfortable leaving me with Alexander's defense?" That's when the PP's time started in for me. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not comfortable at all. But Rick is. Uh, Spencer comes in. This <laughs> the Spencer's like, hey, you know, could we make a deal with these killers? And Rick's like, oh Jesus. Um, I says, guess if you're taking everybody with you, yeah. leaving Gabriel in charge of nobody is fine. <laughs> like, how many people can they lose at this point? Yeah, yeah. And and Rick says, well, you tell them to wait. I got a deal for them, which is a mm-hmm. badass line. Yeah. But man, in retrospect, it seems so arrogant and cocky. I, that's the point, right? And, I mean, we're supposed to really buy into Rick is supremely confident. And, and that's... I feel like they nailed that part of the comic line that we were supposed to think that Rick had this under control and yes, there might be some skirmish, but they were going to win because they always win. Yeah. Because these are our people together. They're smarter. They're better. They're better at killing. They will always prevail. And this is kind of the first time where that superiority is well and truly shattered. Yeah. And they did a great job. I mean, hats off to Andrew Lincoln for really, yeah, just convey conveying the full blown and deterioration. You can see how he gets like right in the midpoint of the episode, he starts to get scared for the first time, uh-huh. and then when he's on his knees, like there's a little bit of defiance and anger there, but it's Not mostly much. just like, oh my god, I can't lose any of these people. It's going to be terrible, and and I'm going to. Yes. Like there's nothing I can do about there's it. There's nothing <laughs> I can do. There's too many of them. Uh, but, but, you know, in halfway in the episode, like, I'm thinking, like, is the plan to just turn it, like, if they had turned around at the first roadblock mm-hmm. and fall back to Alexandria, how do things turn out differently? Well, Maggie doesn't get the treatment she needs. So, right. But, so you she's know, probably dead. Like, this is a real spot going into the reactor and enterprise situation. Sometimes the good of the many outweigh the good of the few or the Yeah, one. and I honestly don't know why he doesn't just take those guys out they're like what seven of yeah, them at the we, very beginning yes i'm not sure why he doesn't just destroy this roadblock and drive on through i i guess because he's thinking that he just doesn't and i don't think any of us were prepared for the scope of the saviors like Certainly unless you not, read yeah. the comics the fact that they had this many men and manpower and machine power like as you know we'll, we'll get to there uh right. morgan finds carol and she's in bad shape 
Mm-hmm. Uh, simultaneously, uh, intercut through all of this action I've been talking about, there's some nameless guy who gets ran down by a group of what is presumably the saviors. Mm-hmm. He's captured, and this guy, who is a fairly famous character actor whose name I didn't look up, says, you people don't listen, you want to fight us, and now this is how it has to be. And he gets a savage beating, and there's talk of making an example out of him, and he says in between the punches... For who? All of my people are in the library are dead. And you realize yeah. that he's going to be made an example for Rick. But since he's literally a nobody and we've seen, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like the, the Rick doesn't understand the saviors at this point. Yeah. He just, he just underestimated them. Right. And ultimately it doesn't serve as, you know, a, a lesson for Rick. That's, that comes later in the form of the bat. Uh, really, it just serves as like a, I mean, a jump scare slash, uh, ooh, like boogie, boogie, boogie sort of thing. Yeah, and that's the big problem this episode <laughs> is they took what was a kind of a classic minimalist storyline that rope doped you in the comics, and they just built more, oh, more men and more, and like they already killed Denise. That was the you know first message that he failed to get, and they just they mm-hmm. just, I guess they just want to make it huh. bigger and better. And then shit to bed at the end with the the reveal. Anyway. Yeah, I don't I don't have much of a problem with the the lead up to this, like the way that Rick is slowly realizing, okay. oh my god, we are I th- we're I, in trouble now. Okay, okay. Uh, I kind of like that stuff. Can we talk about Jason Statham's LG G five commercial? Uh, if you want to, <laughs> yeah. I just I just I just some of these things I just feel like I have to comment on. Like, what is the point? That of the world, Jason Statham, the world became Jason. Yeah, that that you get an LG phone and everyone is Jason Statham. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that your life turns into an action hero movie. I mean, old woman Jason Statham, young woman Jason Statham, Jason Statham riding a motorcycle. Yep. Jason, it's crazy. They're selling a lifestyle. Uh, Jason, <laughs> <laughs> the Jason Statham lifestyle. All absolutely. Right. All right. You get this phone, you will you will have his life. All right. Uh, it's making me want to shave the beard and go to stubble. Uh, anyway, so the RV's trucking down abandoned roads between Alexandria and the hilltop. Maggie's looking increasingly rough. Rick asserts that as long as it's all of us together, that we can do anything. And Morgan, uh, in, in another scene, is... Uh, i got some rough transitions here. Morgan's patching Carol up, uh, but he says, Hey, look, you need stitches and antibiotics or you're going to die. We need to get mm-hmm. you back to Alexandria. And she is uh, refusing. Uh, the so RV... I like how she's kind of she sees where this conversation is going. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need treatment, Carol. Mm-hmm. She rolls her eyes at him. Right. Oh, right. Ugh, this again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Abraham rounds a bin and sees a roadblock and says, "What the bitch?" Because there's yeah. a small band of saviors. Bl- bl- yeah, it's like Abraham. He he works best in moderation, and when they try and do too much with him and his one-liners yes. and creative cursing, yes, I start to roll my eyes. Yeah, uh, what the bitch was one. He does another one later, and then he has the classic, which is great. The up the shit creek with our mouths open. That one's great. I feel uh, like they should have a panel of fourteen-year-old boys, and they should be like donkey licked. And if they go like, oh, badass, or if they just all giggle, like, okay, scratch that off the list. What the bitch? Giggles. Uh, you know, up shit creek, neck deep with her mouth open. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's like, there's got to be an easy way to know what of these crazy ass word salad swears are going to work and what's not. 
Yeah, and I, I also just don't want it overused. Yeah. That's the thing that concerns me is they're trying to go too hard with Abraham's. Yeah. Abrahamisms. Yeah, so uh, there's a small band of saviors. There's like six or seven of them. They got this wretch from the intro sequence uh, who's described as someone with a whole lot of someones who didn't listen. And he says, here's the deal. Give us all your stuff. We're going to have to kill one of you, but then we can move forward. Uh, Rick says, that deal sucks. I want all your stuff, and I don't think I have to kill any of you. And they, ha- I mean, I kind of like this dialogue because, again, Rick is just like, yeah, well, you know, I want to kill any of you, any more of you. I thought mm-hmm. that was all really good. Yeah. And some guy comes and spray paints the guy on the road, which I, I'm like, surely he's not just because it looked like he just made two lines, like he's in the middle of a cootie shot or something. Uh-huh. And I remember in the live watch, I'm like, what are they going to do? And then they roll him over. And mm-hmm. I'm like, was that like spray adhesive? And now he's stuck to the floor and. No. Or the road, and they're going to dare Rick to... Is this like some kind of crazy morality play? Yeah. No, they just sprayed paint a red X on him. Like, what What the fuck? Right. I. That's part of the lesson, I guess? But the lesson doesn't really pay off until the very end. No. With the bat, not with this X guy. Again, one too many layers on this parfait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, again... I don't they, know why he doesn't kill him. They could have taken him. Yeah, I easily. Don't, I don't know if that fucks up the Savior's plan, because another criticism is since they made this so fucking elaborate, you start to wonder, how did the Saviors actually pull this off? This is, uh-huh. an, again, like I've said many times, this is like the Joker in The Dark Knight Returns. Like, how did he know that the helicopters were going to go down this street and the Batmobile was going to do this. And that's, you mm-hmm. know, like, did he have like every fucking street in Gotham with garbage trucks with RPGs or what? Yeah. Did, did Negan have every single County road and suddenly rural suburban Washington DC area, like logged and mined and right. It, it's an even bigger problem because the same people are showing up in multiple locations, which yeah. implies that they know the exact route they're going to take. Yeah. Not um, always, but they're leapfrogging right. and, and, and maybe they got, they, they got, we know they got radios and they got effective scouts. So maybe they're, mm-hmm. you know, orchestrating all this stuff, but some stuff like the logging thing, you know, they, they, they must've known they had to go down this ra- ra- this road. And it's not clear to me how exactly they made all these connections work and again if you want to make something bigger and better and more badass that's fine but you can't do it to the point where your audience is scratching your head and like okay how is this happening yeah okay uh there's also a nice line about you know hey do you want this to be the last day on earth and the other guys responds hey it's a good point maybe you should be extra nice to those people in the rv which is kind of chilling and it gets progressively more chilling as he continues to bring that up throughout the episode mm-hmm. more daryl vision yeah, do you think that line about uh, being nice to specifically the people in the RV is any kind of indication as to who got the bat at the end? Does it need to be one of the people in the RV? Is that what they're no. hinting at? Or no, this, could is, it be this is cold-blooded smack. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. So uh, Rick and company are planning an al- alternate route through a golf course, which uh, I I think... I wish we could have seen... I would have loved to have seen the RV driving through a golf course. Yeah. That'd be fun. Watch out for the, the sand dunes. But it's frustrating because I, I guess I guess you can argue that this serves a plot point of Rick continuing to be kind of like, oh, well, we're going to out-fox them. Mm-hmm. And they're just so confident. And, and Eugene's talking on his pseudo-military bullshit. And 
Like, all right, they're going to rock. And I also like how nonchalant they are about the walker outside. Like, that's just, the, you know, the walker slap. I mean, that would have been a reason to shit your pants in season two. And this is just like a nuisance. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, whatever. He'll slap the sides. We'll drive off and we're ready. Uh-huh. Uh, Morgan explains to Carol that it's not just me that came to get you, Rick. And there's this kind of muddied explanation of, like, other people came too. But then he says, but they didn't come. They left before you got the letter. And I'm like, I don't understand what kind of point you're trying to make. Like, was he trying to point out to, like, hey, only a few people know about this. You can come back and it won't be embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know if that's what she's worried about at well, this point, Well, but that's right? what she like, she came back with. Do you think I'm being dramatic? Like, this is something I'm doing as a cry for attention or right, help? Right, So it implies that that's what he was trying to do. I guess, yeah. Uh, he's just not... It is weird. The way he's talking to her is patronizing, right? It's like... Sure. I, I'm going to tell you, oh, you need help, and you should come back. And, like, look, dude, I've made up my fucking mind. You think I did this without thinking about it? I mean, this, Yeah, no, this goes back to Dale trying to, you know, bully slash convince Andrea to not commit suicide at the... Right. At, at the... She's... What was that? The disease control? The CDC, yeah. I... And and the other thing that's really frustrating is that it's, it's literally word for word her fucking note. She recites her dialogue, yet it's all the same be- beats. Yeah, if you care about people, you will kill. And yeah. that's something that Morgan hasn't doesn't seem to have gotten through his head. I hope by the end of this episode, when he's forced to kill for the people he cares about, that he will understand what the hell she's talking about. Because if not, that plot line is dead to me. Well, this pawn's already dead to me because it doesn't make sense to have. I mean, <laughs> okay, it's been borderline for me, but okay, th- th- no more moralizing. Right, he needs to understand the point she's making. But but it's just super frustrating because, and I, I they they do lampshade it by having Carol be exasperated. Like, do you yes. really not get it? But again, Morgan's read the letter. Yeah, w- Carol read the letter to a voiceover in us. <laughs> The two episodes ago, last episode, they all discussed the contents of the letter. Mm. And now this episode, they read it again. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Are they getting paid by the word on this shit? Yeah. 90-minute episode, Jim. Uh, so Abraham in the RV asks Sasha if she thinks they can make a baby. And, you know. They're one day into a fucking relationship here, and he's talking about kids? I... They have a sick... And dying pregnant okay. woman in an RV, and they're talking about kids? So 20th century a There's fucking roadblocks blocking them from saving the sick and dying pregnant woman, and they're talking about fucking kids? No, no, no. 21st century Aaron, uh, you know, living in the real world is like, pump the brakes, kid. But this is a theme for Abraham that he wants He wants it all. I and, know. And he's not going to wait till tomorrow because tomorrow might not come. But Sasha needs to give him more like the what the fuck dude eyes or something. I, I don't know. Maybe she – I this is – yeah, I don't have any single problem with this because I can see two people freshly in love in a zombie apocalypse acting this way. <laughs> and that, that she would find that kind of refreshing that someone's just willing to like fuck it, YOLO, go for it. Instead of being afraid to live, to just live, right? I'm Which not is saying... that's actually going back to a theme with her for like two, like going on two seasons. Uh huh. And I'm not saying this is bad writing necessarily. What I'm saying is, Jesus Abraham, you're just really going all out here, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So as they're talking about the physical act of love and the inevitable consequences if you keep at it enough, uh, they run into another larger roadblock. 
And they just back away as the saviors are menacingly firing guns in the air at them. Wasting ammunition when clearly they don't. That's don't like know a show they have of strength, a ton. though, right? Right, but. Like, I've got. Um, yeah. Because Rick's thing is like, oh, they're low on ammo. They're using spears. Firing in the gun, I thought, was the same way as, like, um, some kind of threat display that an animal makes. Sure. You know? Like, or if you're low on ammunition, you want to, like, yeah. maybe expend a shitload of it right up front. Like, you know, awe and shock and awe, shock and, awe yeah. and and get them to back down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it was effectively intimidating. This whole cat and mouse game I thought was pretty intimidating. Yep. Uh, Morgan's wandering and he finds a man who, that there's, uh, Carol previously mentioned there was a tricky to get at zombie that she just left alone. Uh, he will not leave well enough alone, so he climbs up to this antenna tower. It's kind of neat. Guy had hung himself. Um, mm-hmm. I did Attracting have a question. walkers too, which was cool. I did have questions about what kind of person commits suicide because he's a fresh corpse Mm -hmm. this far into the zombie apocalypse. And then I started realizing that, no, this is something that we I realized on a second watch that this all takes place at the library Uh where the man from the run. So the saviors, he didn't hang himself. The saviors strung him up. I think so. And like kind of and, and I feel like that's they also alluded to that the, there's the guy that fired the first shot that that was the his punishment they gibbeted him. Mm, okay. And then they rebelled and then there's this big war and then and when you see later scenes there's like p- multiple people lined up like they were shot execution style. Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of cool that you're you're left to put this pieces of the universe together. Yeah, I always like when they do that. You're left wondering, okay, how how do I piece this scenario together? They did that at the country club pretty effectively with yeah. Daryl and and Beth, I thought. Yeah. Um, they, they do pretty well when they don't say as much, and they just kind of show you the sure. aftermath of something. And I'm not sure if it's this scene or the next, because uh, I kind of put it together, but but Morgan comes back and finds that Carol has left the nest. She's pulled a Carl. She's, She's locked him in the closet she, and taken off. That's right. She's like, fuck this, I'm out. Yep. Uh, the group is now a half tank, and they're getting a little worried. And Abraham's worried because he now realizes those weren't the same people, and they've got numbers. Like, they've got two, mm-hmm. three times the numbers that they have in their group. Um, he still talks confident, but his face does say he's worried as they round the bend and there's this fucked up zombie Red Rover chain that the saviors have fo- formed. And yeah. Rick says they can't risk just ramming it with the RV because there's no Dale, there's no Glenn. Yeah, I there's guess I'd buy f- that. Yeah, I would feel like an RV would just plow right through that. I would think so, but... But you smash a I'm radiator. I'm not certain and then- about it, right... What are you going to do? And you're stranded on the road with a dying woman. Like, and, none of that's good. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously people set this as... That's the thing. Like, I don't know why they just don't back up and go away because my first thought is this is going to be an ambush. And this is the most ludicrous thing. One of the most ludicrous things in the episode. The Savior's doing this, firing... Like, God, they... This is the Terminus all over again. Hurting people by shooting at their feet... And at one point, yeah. they shoot the hatchet out of Rick's hand. Like, get the fuck out of here with this bullshit. It's remarkable that they didn't hit anyone. Yeah. No, I mean, full automatic at someone's feet, you're yes. going to hit something. Yes. Uh, I can't believe no one got shot. No, and it's it's dumb, and I, I wish they would stop doing it. Um, none of this shit happens in the comics, so whatever. I really love that walker with the, the rotted walker with the chain kind of pulling through, through his it, yeah. skin. Yeah, ugh. That was disgusting, and I thought I, I couldn't tell if that was like. So he rotted while he was in the chain, and the chain pulled through him from the 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 force of the other walkers, or if that was like 
because it looks like it goes mostly through his stomach, which is distended, yeah. and you can yeah. see that like maybe he got killed and he bloated up, and his mm. stomach kind of pushed through the chain. Maybe uh, a little of both. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, really effective. Good, good job, Nicotero, on those effects. Uh, so Rick hacks the zombie chain in half, and they mm. all kind of fall to the wayside for some reason, and they're piled back into the RV and they get out. Well, Rick specifically like grabs one at the lead of the chain and uh-huh. pulls him to the side of the road, oh. and then kicks him in the knees so he drops down okay. and kind of holds the chain there. And then Sasha. I think gets zombie kill of the week with the triple headshot. Mm. I mean, she just and like all those zombies. What go is down. like shooting fish in a barrel? It's like zombies it on is, the line, yeah. fish in a barrel. But she lined him up. It took some skill. Sure, she gets it. Sure, uh, she, no shooting at feet for her. No. Also, first time all season, a convincing dusk scene. Oh, we my have a God. we have a fully believable transition from day to night. I didn't know they could do it. <laughs> I didn't know they could do it, but they did. I noticed Aaron looking through the scope of mm. his gun while they're on the road. Yeah. Like ten feet into the distance into the woods. I don't yeah. know what he's thinking there. Is that the world's least powerful scope? I don't know. Does he have it on backwards and he's like <laughs> trying to do that? You know they did smaller? do that in one of those seasons. Oh god. They they actually mounted a scope backwards. On purpose or accident? No, accident. it had to be accidental. Okay. Like yeah. just the prop guy fucked up. Huh. Uh anyway. Uh Rick realizes because of the ease as he pulls the Princess Leia uh, corollary that the, this escape was too easy. Right. Uh, there, there's something afoot. Uh, and they're running out of gas. Maggie's running out of time because now it's like she just keeps getting paler and sweatier. And she's running a fever. And Rick, for the very first time in a long time, uh, is looking scared. And they hit roadblock number four, where there's this huge 20, 30-man group with wreckage all piled up. And he tells Abraham to go back. And Abraham's like, where? Yeah. Time's running out for the group. Uh, Carol's creeping around in whatever library town she's at. She's closing dumpsters on zombies. Zombie chick jumps her. Carol grabs her hair and literally pulls her face right off the skull. Amazing. Just a great practical effect. (laughs) Yeah. one of those things that, like, very few times the Walking Dead can get the ah face out of me. It got the uh, ah face out of me last night. Uh, and uh, this rosary guy jumps her. And my question is, why? Why is he doing this? He had a perfectly functional car. I said that last episode that this better lead to something interesting. And he's just a fucking plat- plot the devo- the the plot. Plop, plop the voice. He's a plot device to get Morgan to shoot a motherfucker. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because the smart thing to do when you're shot in the zombie apocalypse is, oh, I don't know, go back to your town where yeah. you can get some healing. Yeah, especially when now we know how large and well-equipped this And maybe report back that to Negan, the guy who... Right. Uh, I, I mean, I guess you could meta-explain that now that we know Negan's such a crazy guy that... If you reported back that everyone got waylaid by a single woman with a submachine gun sewn in her car heart inexplicably, that he would just baseball bat you to death. But still, he's like, I'm going to die anyway, even though I could have gotten my car and not died. And I just want to watch you slowly die. And then I want to get bummed about it and threaten to walk off. And then it's just it's dumb. Yeah, no, I mean, you you hit it. It's a plot device. You can hear the click-clack of the keyboards in mm-hmm. all these scenes, and it's 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 really dumb. Anyway, uh, so he shoots her in her arm. He begins the torture uh, game. We get more Daryl O'Vision. 
Rick lies to Maggie about how well they're doing. Just bald-faced lies. Oh, yeah, there was gunfire, but we got through them saviors, and we're well on the way to Hilltop. And she's like, well, we left it in this daytime, and now it's dark, which could be in five seconds in this universe. But I saw the sun setting, so it's been a minute, Rick. You're lying. Why? Yeah. Uh, Carol laughs at the guy that is killing her because this is what she wants. I feel like Yeah, I think so. I mean... It's interesting because if this was what she really wanted, she could have just let the saviors. Right, do it's her not. In. I guess it's not what she wants. But now that it's happening, it's like, well, it's happening. And also, the saviors. I don't. I guess now that I think about it, they weren't going to kill her. They were going to do something with her. That's true. They were going to take her back and use her to get into Alexandria. Or you know, like that's what like, I said. Carol's anyway. fine with dying, but she, I don't think she wants to be raped. I don't think she wants right. to be used as a pawn in their fucking bullshit hostage games sure. so that kind of makes sense yeah and ultimately it's the thing where she doesn't want to hurt the people that she loves right and she thinks that that's going to happen if she's taken back and used as a ransom i also thought you know i'm quick to praise melissa mcbride you all know this but i thought her weird performance while she's slowly bleeding out and dying was strange hmm, okay. like just this weird croaky kind of sing song almost girly routine she was pulling I didn't didn't understand it. I I didn't even notice it. Okay, well then uh, <laughs> uh, we'll move. So so the guy she argues like, well, fine, I'll be happy, and I'm smiling because I'm going to die, and this I'll, I'll be checked out of this world. And so he gets disappointed and decides he's going to walk off for some reason. But then she goads him into coming back to finish the job because that's what she wants, and he fucking listens to her. But Morgan stops him with a gun, no less. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tells him to drop the gun. The guy says no, goes to finish off Morgan. And I'll say, say this about Morgan. When he decides to kill, the man commits. Yeah, five shots? I mean, yeah. One of them a headshot? He, yeah. He definitely killed that man. Yes. No doubt about it. His life, not as sacred as <laughs> Carol's, he finally decided. Right. So, I mean, this is where... You know, his idea of I can't kill and and the idea that Carol has of you have to kill at some point to save the people you love. Yeah. Come right up against each other and and, and, and bash do you, heads. Do you think that this is I don't feel like that this that's the thing. Like, I don't think this is an evolution. I think that this is what he would do if he knew that someone is die, going to die. He would kill to save their life. But as long as it's theoretical and his definition of theoretical is a lot you know, looser, looser, goosier than mine is. But like, unless there's a direct causality, like there's a guy with a finger on the trigger, gun to hit. I, I, I can't. I, I can kill then. But if it's like an easily envisioned consequence of my actions, eh, who's to say? Uh, I can't think of a specific instance to refute that. But I think that's just headcanon you've got going. There's nothing on screen to show us that that's the case, right? You're right. In every opportunity he's had, he said, "All life is sacred." But there's never I been there's kill. never been this kind of ticking time bomb right. scenario where right. he had to act. It's always been he was off one on one with a group of saviors. Now you could easily argue that they're not saviors, wolves. Mm-hmm. You could easily argue that they kill him and they just run and go rampage and kill other people in the town, or he lets him go and you know just like it, it happened with Rick. We saw it, so I, I don't know. You're right. I'm probably trying to justify this in my in in my head. 
and and uh, Carol says, "Would you just please let me go at this point?" And we made jokes about like this is actually transcripts from Melissa McBride's contract renewal. Uh, <laughs> like, why are you doing gimbal. this? Just let me go. Uh, two guys on horseback. Actually, one guy on horseback, one guy on foot. One of them we're left to believe, even though I didn't get a good look at his face last episode, is from the previous episode since he's familiar with Morgan and Morgan seems to recognize him. So, and, you know, there's one guy on horseback here. Yes. I don't know why you'd put a guy on horseback, one on foot. That kind of slows you down. And that horse wasn't just running wild. He had, you know, bridle right. and saddle. and Sure. And that's the same as the one Morgan found. So we, sure. we're pretty sure this is a guy who ran away from the barn because he yes. got jumped by Morgan and Rick last, you know, a few episodes ago. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I think this is cool. Yeah. Yep. Like, I'm all about dudes in full armor riding horseback with lances. That scene. I, I want to know more about the, what crazy world they're, they're from. Yeah, and it it still, you know, with all the savior stuff, we could have gone right back into the oh, we got to kill everybody we see yeah. sort of mentality, which sure. which you know, Rick was on for a while and Daryl was on for a while and they've all flip-flopped since. But now it's it's legitimately still a question. There are people out there yeah. who are good. These guys are from the Jesus school of first contact. Yeah. They're going to help you out if they can. Well, they're not going to try and steal your truck and they're drive, not gonna drive it into a truck. river with all the supplies inside, sure. but they they will shake your hand. Yeah. Uh, that's the special Jesus touch. That's the handshake. No, the stealing and the running <laughs> of the rivers. <laughs> right. So it's the same right. school of thought. It's just he's in a, from a more extreme branch. Uh, the group then comes up to the fifth roadblock, which is where Abraham. Can, wait, can I talk about Jesus for a second, real quick? Because it's becoming a lot more apparent given the deal that they have with with uh, Negan here mm-hmm. at the hilltop, and the way that Jesus goes about that first encounter with Brick and Daryl. Uh, He's trying to steal these supplies from them, and I get the impression that that's because this fifty percent uh, thing is putting the hurt on them. Yeah, and and Negan says it right. Like I don't care how you have to do it. Sure, you're going to give us fifty percent of your stuff if that means you go without. You got to beg, borrow, and steal more. Sure. So now it really gives like a retroactive yeah, you're right. uh, justification for him trying to steal this truck. Sure, which I liked. Uh, which is an interesting eco- economy. It's a it's a beggar thief economy. That, like, you could right. literally have Alexandria stealing from the hilltop. And mm-hmm. then, so, like, like, it doesn't seem sustainable what Negan's trying to do. It, it seems, at the very least, limiting to to the people outside of Negan's core group, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, he'll, he'll prosper. He'll flourish. Because uh, he's getting presumably because way more than he can use. It, it's kind of like the locusts and the ants. Like, if the locusts take over and yeah. and, and starve the ants out, well, then the locusts are going to have to tend farms, and that's not fun. Uh-huh. Like, you gotta you got to do some animal husbandry here. Like, you can't just, just be an out-and-out parasite, which I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Negan seems... I, I got the impression that he's very smart and that he wants to find that balance of pushing him to the breaking point but not over there like he wants him weak yeah. and hungry and docile but he doesn't want him dead right i mean this is like you know any boss trying to get more productivity out of their workers sure. right like yeah. put them in the situation where they need to produce just to preserve themselves their jobs or their lives uh i feel like that is a calculated thing that he's doing not just like well 50 percent sounds like a good number let's take yeah. that yeah and also, I feel like he plays fast and loose with that fifty percent. Like he gets to decide what the percent, you know, like it's fifty percent. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It might be two thirds of your stuff, but it's still fifty percent in Negan math. You know. <laughs> okay. 
Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Like, so you take 50% of someone's stuff. Like, if they're prosperous, that might not actually hurt the population all that much. Now, if they're just skirting by, taking 50% might kill 50% of the people in that yeah, community. Yeah, Negan's a flat tax proponent. Right. <laughs> right. But so that encourages them to get more. But as they get more and more, like as they steal or beg or borrow more, sure. that 50% goes up. I mean, it stays at 50%, but the amount that he gives them, that, yeah. that they give him is more. It's like the first dollar you earn is always the most important, right? Because that's always going to get spent. Your sure, millionth yeah. dollar is not as important because, you know, you can blow that on hookers and, and blow. You can blow it on uh-huh. blow. You can buy a yacht. You can invest in. But, you know, it's it's like that first dollar goes in your belly. Yeah. yeah. You got to have that. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. So it kind of encourages, like, is he starting Savior Franchises? Like it seems like it. Like yeah. you got to stop being good people. You got to uh-huh. go out. It's like a multi-level media, uh, multi-level marketing scam. Like you right. got to go out and rape and pillage. Talk, talk to your friends and family members. Yes. Get them to buy this bullshit yeah. soap on a rope. Yeah, I you, don't know. You, you're growing crops. No, go out. Uh, vitamin go out. water. Get in on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the group comes up to the fifth, fifth roadblock, which is this massive pyramid of logs, and Eugene's flipping out because there's like evidence of heavy earth moving equipment and like these guys just seem like they're really put together and abraham asserts yeah. that they're neck deep up shit creek with their mouth open uh mr x the wretch that got super glued to the road earlier in episode now gets thrown off a bridge and hung aaron tries says he wants to try to take a shot at the chain i'm like get the fuck out of here with that yeah what is this you, you can't this yeah whatever it's a tough shot and uh, as as Rick is freaking out, the guys light the logs on fire, and the taunter, is, is, I'm going to call him Mr. Handlebar Mustache, says, you you treating your people good, aren't you, Rick? You better get off going where you're going. And uh, it's really it from, creepy. From, from nowhere. He yeah. He's kind of from the woods. Really creepy. I still think that in final analysis, I could have done with about half of these roadblocks. Same effect. Really? Got, got okay. into a 60-minute episode. I, I liked how they snowballed, and they kept getting more and more scary and elaborate. And but it, I just the practicality of how – I guess you know the most direct route and the second most direct right. route. But yeah, like, I'm, I'm with you on that, yeah. And maybe that explains why Negan was so patient about you know this, these first contacts and learning more about them. And like, they know so much more about Rick than he does of them at this point that they can do this kind of predictive stuff. But mm-hmm. anyway – uh, Eugene now has a plan, and it's a noble one that he's going to sell, sacrifice himself potentially by driving the RV as a decoy. It's going to be dark soon, as we can see. It's getting very dusky out, and in the cover of darkness, everyone's going to pile out of the RV, and Eugene's going to lead the saviors on a merry band, merry chase. Yeah, seems like a reasonable plan. Sure, uh, solid plan. I'm glad they they grabbed the stretcher. I thought Abraham was just gonna. Hulk up and carry Maggie in his arms for miles. No, but doing... Which I would have bought. Sure. <laughs> but doing a litter, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a moment that I... They're really pushing his Eugene stuff on me a little bit too hard, where he's like, how come you never let me drive the truck? And if I'm Abraham, I'm like, because you fucking shot it, asshole. <laughs> that's essentially what he says. I didn't think you could. You couldn't. Yeah. Like I at that point, he certainly couldn't. And you, it's like he's a little bit of like the six-year-old that wants to do it by himself. And after Daddy boosts him up and says, "See, I could," I mean, you know, like Abraham says, "You're not ready. You need me to protect you." Eugene mm-hmm. says, "Fuck you, I don't." Eugene got stole just because you bit a dude's dick doesn't mean that Abraham was wrong in saying you need protection. 
Right, especially at the at the point of truck driving. Like, uh, Eugene didn't come about this because people gave him an opportunity to get hard. Well, he got hard because he had to. Not... And he full he he explicitly lied to them and and, and uh-huh. intentionally looked weak and pathetic, but knowledgeable, so that they would take him in and do everything for him. So, like, right. your plan worked, Dick. <laughs> Right. Congrats. You're a sur- he didn't want Abraham to think that he could do these things. You were a survivor by being a social chameleon and by being a liar. Yeah. You weren't a survivor because you were a badass. Right. Just because you got a ponytail now does not mean that you get to talk shit to Abraham. But they hug it out. Yeah. So that was nice. And I got to say, I- Bear McCreary really pulled a score out of his ass because I'm like, I don't really even care much for Eugene other than comic relief. But right. like, I'm like, wow, Eugene might die. This is like Eugene mm. going to die music. Yeah, I I definitely felt that. Uh, and I actually like the moment between Abraham and Eugene. You know, they've had a very rocky relationship. And I, I think the idea that Abraham would come to have some respect for Eugene uh, after all the shit he's pulled is is a pretty big thing mm-hmm. uh, for those two characters. And I, I got mostly on board with this scene. I liked it. I, the, the other things that I thought you could spin it as Abraham just knows that he needs to patronize Eugene because if he doesn't, he, you know. Right. But you give him an inch. Yeah. You give he's, him an inch. Oh, man. He's going to be unbearable <laughs> from now on. Uh, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, he's going to want hugs every day. It's <laughs> oh, the it's worst. I, I said the last night when we were watching this, like, if uh, Eugene comes at you, do you flinch? <laughs> Probably. He's, I mean, he's not a small guy. Well, but I mean, I'm just thinking like, if it looks like he might get on his knees, <laughs> okay. If it looks like his knees uh-huh. are buckling, I'm definitely right. jumping back. Like I'm talking to him, my eyes are locked on his knees at all times. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> just that's... looking for the bend, and I'm out. And that's like when uh, at the end when Negan's got him on his knees. Do you think uh, Eugene's like, oh, I got you right where I want you? Right, the perfect time for a dick bite. Coming a little closer. He just wasn't counting on a baseball bat. Give him the extra reach. It's true, yeah. Uh, it put him out of uh, biting range. Uh, so, man, even Fear the Flying Dead episode was disappointing. It's all B-roll from season one. Yeah. I, With Nick staring up at the plane that flies overhead. Just, God. This, I, I don't know. This shows its execution, what they think the fans want and what they think. Like, their marketing team needs to be fucking fired. Do you, so, their marketing team is doing a great job. Their sales the team, no, their sales team's doing a great job. Their, their marketing, marketing team, team is shitting the bed. No, I, their marketing team is, we have some feedback on this. I don't want to get too far into okay. it, but I think their marketing team is doing exactly what they want to do, which is get people talking about the show. Oh, God, And that it is, is fucking working. As much as you want to say, like, the feedback is negative and we hate a lot of the shit they're doing. But every time I've seen this happen a million times, dude, that's burning the candle at both ends. I know, I know. That is self-destructive because eventually people will realize they're having the same fucking conversation and move on right it, i mean you can see the trajectories of it right like the walking dead has done this it's it's gone on this bell curve where that you know it shot up when the ratings yep. through the mid seasons and now it's getting on in years and they're pulling this this shenanigans with marketing and it's dropping whereas you look at a show like breaking bad that just got bigger and bigger as it went right yeah. Yeah. Like, that's because it was solidly written. I mean, Game of Thrones is not getting any fucking smaller. Sure. So. It might. I'm I'm curious about a Game of Thrones exit this Well, year. it hasn't happened yet. So. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, let's see. So they're tromping through the woods. 
uh, here's the thing. They're not even tromping through the woods. They're tromping along another road. I realized that on a second watch because my first thought is like, how the yeah, hell did the saviors are. drive the RV and get... But no, they're, they're clearly in the middle of a road. Why do you... I know you're carrying a pregnant woman, but why don't you just take a beeline through the woods, through the cover? It's, only, it's the only safe route. As far as they know, right? Like, go through the woods. Yeah, the, the, like, look, the savior, like, I get it that Eugene, do you really think that they're, like, watching the RV and setting up shop just moments before you arrive there? They've got all these roads blocked off, and even Eugene's smart enough to realize that there's no going back. Yeah. Because they've got all of our escape routes covered now, too. Mm-hmm. I just felt like this was, it didn't go down like this in the comics, and I haven't read it in three years, but I do remember there wasn't these multiple endless roadblock things it was a, maybe one or two but it made sense because you know the noose was tightened before you didn't have to rely on the characters making stupid decisions to get them where you needed them to be whatever they're there um carl in the middle of swearing to uphold his father's promise of being able to do anything suddenly there's all this whistling i thought the whistling was creepy and effective yeah. Um, we see that they got the RV and they've got Eugene and the taunter says, welcome to where you're going, makes them get on their knees. Uh, he brings out their gimps or in this case, Daryl, Michonne and Glenn from some box. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn's horrified to see Maggie there. And after there's a brief power struggle of how you're going to lower Maggie through the ground, Abraham wants to do it himself. Uh, the taunter doesn't give a shit. They introduce Negan. As played by Jeffrey Dean Morris, and he is awesome. Nope, not Morris, Morgan. Morgan, goddammit. <laughs> uh, and he's he's awesome. Yeah, he fantastic like, performance. I, I love his dialogue. Like, it's yeah. funny in a grim way. It's charismatic. It's, it's just great. He looks exactly like I would want Negan to look. Yeah. He acts exactly like I want him to look. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault the cinematographer fucked up at the death scene. <laughs> You know? So, uh, we had talked about this, knowing once we found out, oh, they're going to go into this Negan plot line, um, we had talked about kind of the defining trait of Negan, which is, for people who don't watch the comics, and I don't know if you're getting this from the show, but he curses a lot. Yes. That's kind of his defining trait. Now, I feel like they may have undermined his ability to be intimidating through his language, um, mm. by kind of making all of the saviors a clone of him. Sure. All of the saviors come in with this, like, saying shit and saying PG Yeah, they're all PG-13 and... profane. Right, right. And that's the other thing that undermines him is all he can say, the worst he can say is shit. And then the rest of it is pee-pee pants time. Yeah. Shit, uh, bitch, damn hell. Right, typical TV. Donkey cursing. dick. Uh, so how do you feel, like, now now that we're at it and we can talk about his trademark cursing, mm-hmm. What? how do you think they did? I think, it's, I, I think it's great. Okay. I don't have a single problem with it. He didn't. The problem. I the only problem I have, and I think you know, they, they're doing this as well as they can on cable. Uh, the only problem I have with it is they undermined it by not having him stand out enough through his dialogue, because everyone's everyone on his side is doing that. I kind of agree, except for he's doing it so much better. He's like, <laughs> okay. like he's just his so much further above just... the replacement level actor of, yeah. of of the standard savior, and he's so much better. Yeah, just he's a you know he's a star. He is. He's and fantastic. And as soon as I heard that he was being cast, and I remembered his iconic role in, as the comedian in The Watchmen, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking great. And yeah, uh, it is. It is. 
um just you know and lucille looks great it's it's all mm-hmm. awesome like glenn's outburst and his you know correcting of that was all great it's building up the tension but then the shit the the decision to make this into a cliffhanger starts fucking the moment up the second he starts playing eeny meeny miny mo because then they have to start messing around with his cadence they got to stop sing- they got to sing it's cuts, like yeah. who's he pointing at when he's talking to and where's like it's like they're doing all these games and all these bullshit edits yeah and then they go first person with the murder and it's it's totally lets all the air out of the balloon that they've slowly been inflating over this last 90 minutes and particularly the right. last 15 i was despite myself like oh shit um and god i can only i'm so glad that you popped my cherry last week on the spoiler section because man if i had not known (laughs) if i'd have gone in there not knowing that they were going to pull that bullshit i don't would have climbed the wall okay i'd have been so pissed off yeah like I think if you listened to or you saw the video, like you, you saw how pissed, pissed off pissed. I was, yeah. just with the realization that's what they're going to do. But it did. Uh-huh. I'm glad you said that because, man, I think I would have been in full hate mode, mm-hmm. and that seemed that explains so many fans' reaction because you know how many people percentage wise out of the 15 million people watching this knew that going in. Yeah, probably not a ton. Uh, I I don't know I. I really hate this cliffhanger. I think it was stupid. It deflates it, like you said, and it takes all of the the tension out of the moment and kind of diverts it into the question you shouldn't be asking, which who? is who got the bat? Should be asking, how are they going to deal with this? Yes. Oh, no, something tragic just happened to our characters. We know exactly what it is, and how is this going to affect them? I, I don't, it's so crazy that they don't understand their own damn show. The the drama is not who gets the bat. The drama is everyone's reactions to it and what happens next. I know. I know. Like, I and, could give a shit who gets batted to death. There's some people I would be like more eyes ra- eyebrows raised than others and more that mm-hmm. I would miss than others. But that's not the fucking point, man. And they're doing the exact same thing, the exact same mistake. And the reason these cliffhangers don't work on the back end when you come back to them, like with Glenn under the dumpster... That moment was supposed to be, oh, fuck, how is he going to get out of this scenario where he's under the dumpster, right? Yes. Not, did he survive this? Yes. Is Glenn dead? Uh, That was not the question we should be asking. Uh, So you come back from this in season seven, right? Yeah. Where is the tension? Like, where is the emotional impact of seeing who you lost? Because the emotional impact should have been front-loaded. No, should, should have been the complete package. And I'm telling you, it's if you're a diehard fan, mm-hmm. did you and you listen to podcasts and you read the fan sites and you're on the forums, you're going to have this moment spoiled for you, and it's going to suck. Yeah, and it's going to have zero emotional impact when it finally happens. Yeah, that, that's the thing. So it, it if you're a hardcore fan, stop part. being a hardcore fan. Stop watching, listen to podcasts. Right. Tune stop. out from all their media. Yep, that's the only from... way you're going to save yourself from their bullshit tactics. Yeah, and that's that's the opposite of what you want to do. And even then, you've had six month. You've had a six month come down from the yeah. tension of the moment where you're worried about him killing someone. I mean, you, and now it's like, well, I wonder who he killed. You, you, you beat Michonne's brains out. You beat Glenn's brains out. You beat Maggie's brains out. You beat Daryl's brains out. And Reddit's front page on The Walking Dead is full of, oh my god, my face win. I can't believe they. I'm terrified. Like, another hell in its you own. You know, like my tribute to Norman Reed or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. like, 
but now it's full of I can't believe this shit. I'm so sin like AMC, you know this and that someone remixed the like you know uh, Negan leaning in front of uh, Carl's face and like you know oh you think it's bullshit that uh, we're we're not going to show you who we killed this season. Well, too bad. And like it, you're casting the showrunners as the villains of the show. It's a really weird relationship to have with your friend, with your fans. I don't, I don't get it. And and and, and, and also, to me, no one is talking about best episode, best season finale yeah. of Walking Dead ever, right? It's yeah. it's all a question: who did they kill? And maybe that's better for getting people talking. But personally, if I were writing the show, I would want the hype of they just fucking went for it, yeah, and blew our minds with who they killed. And all this preemptive, oh, this is the best episode ever, is just such a bunch of bullshit. And yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't agree with that opinion, but uh, <laughs> I don't know who's saying that. We, I guess, no, we I do mean, have a couple Gimple of emails, yeah. and like a lot of them went on oh, record oh. saying that this is the best right finale. This is the best episode we've done in six seasons. Yeah, well, like like we said, what are they going to say? Nothing. Right. If if and, and I right. kind of wonder. For the first time, I've wondered like how much the Gimple and Nicotero's hand and and Kirkman's hands are tied by the AMC executives saying, uh, "We need you to push this to next season." Yeah, or or I don't know. I like I said earlier, I think the marketing team is doing exactly what AMC wants them to do. I think it's uh, it's a mistake, even if it's a mistake. All right. Well, I don't want to talk Long-term. much more because I feel like I'm okay. going to yeah. Carol. And reread my notes during a lot of this feedback. So <laughs> right. I'm gonna try to resist that urge, but but as, uh, one final thing is, yeah, I think if you guys have listened to this half podcast the years, like I've made a lot of difficult, like like I've walked back a lot of my criticism of Kirkman. Like I'm like I'm like I kind of talked myself into thinking that he sort of expertly handled this situation with who he's going to kill and like all the misinformation he put out and. Like I stuff that I thought was callous towards fans, but like now I feel stupid because <laughs> maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But if if the studio's going to handcuff you and make you do this shit, it doesn't matter because there's no good way to handle this because now the story's out of your hands and it's into the people they're going to leak. It's into people releasing casting news. If Norman Reedus signs up for a big movie or a big tell, well, you know he's dead. You know. Sure. Stephen yeah. Young he signs gets... up for a new HBO series, and yeah. you know he like it's right. it's 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 crazy. Yep. Bad move. Bad move, writers. So we've got a sponsor to talk about this week, and it's one that you're probably familiar with. It's Harry's. Uh, Harry's is a product that I have used for years now to make you less hairy, ironically. Yeah, ironically. Um, but I I've really liked uh, using their products a lot. It's it's brought the cost of my shaving down significantly. Uh, their their razors are a lot cheaper than you would buy at a store. And when I say cheaper, I don't mean cheaper. The quality is just as good. I mean less expensive. Uh, Plus, other brands, it's it's like it's like uh, shaving with a baseball bat covered in barbed wire. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure, you could take that like a champ, but why? why would you? Yeah, there's a better option. Yeah, it's it's Harry's dot com, and right now they've got a promotion going where. Uh, you can you can save five dollars off your first purchase if you go to their website harrys dot com and use the promo code baldmove all caps one word. Um, they have a, a starter set called the Truman, which is good, which is what I started with. Um, it, it's actually a really good deal. It's for fifteen bucks. You get the razor handle, you get the shave cream, and three of the five blade razors, razor heads. So 
Uh, I mean, you could probably go to the store and f- spend 15 bucks on the three razor heads alone uh, if you're buying that other stuff. So go to harrys.com, use the promo code BALDMOVE. Makes, makes great gift. Father's Day is just two months away. Oh, is it? If, if you got an, a, a scrutable elder god like my father... <laughs> that, that you just never know what to buy for, oh, and he's okay. got a clean shaven race. I thought maybe eld- elder sh- gods had like stubble or <laughs> no, something. No, the tentacles. It's it just grows right. in thick, and I just you said race instead of face because you yeah. know I'm going with, with fish breed, and I, I don't know. I, I don't I, know I, where you're going. Yet again, you, lost myself in the metaphor. You listeners should go to Harry's.com and use that promo code. Bald move. Okay, are we ready for feedback? Uh, yeah, we uh, keep in mind we will have another episode next week, uh, another uh, a, a season in review wrap up. Uh, so if we didn't get your email, right, that's the thing. I got deluged with email. And, or uh, if you've got a fresh hot take, I mean, obviously uh, there's going to be a lot of outrage and and whatnot. But if you have got a fresh hot take, it's not too late to get it in. Watching dead at baldmove.com or under forums forums at baldmove.com if you just want to. Right, and if I don't include your email on uh, this week's episode, there's a chance I might still include it on next week's because, honestly, I didn't even get a chance to read all of the email this week. There was so much. No, dude, I saw the inbox. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, and that's this, <laughs> these types of episodes, like, tend to do it. There was 8,000 replies on the post-show discussion thread on Reddit. Holy shit. So there's a lot of people wanting to talk about this, this bullshit. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about it. We start off with uh, Happy Scott. Happy Scott? Is he still happy after Not this? Not so happy now. Let's find out. I'm on my way to California for the week, listening to the cast on an airplane. Just stoked about the season finale. I've been fascinated about how The Walking Dead will handle it. Then I hear the spoiler section about the fade to black cliffhanger. I don't mind spoilers. I mind shitty writing and bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Now I'm pissed off, and I'm going to have to spend the entire work week and weekend hoping the spoiler isn't the real ending and hoping The Walking Dead is somehow outsmarting everyone. In the future, you guys should add another level of disclaimer, one for standard spoilers and another for spoiling really bad, stupid, crap ideas <laughs> that no fan would ever want to spend 6.5 days contemplating. Uh, and then uh, what's worse is in the middle of the flight, some Asian lady came over and it slammed his window <laughs> shut. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, and a guy took a wicked shit in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> Heather also mentioned this. She She was actually a little disappointed that we didn't, uh, have an extra save yeah have like an extra super secret spoiler section for the really big spoilers it's something we have done in the past occasionally when we have like full synopsis for yeah like just like an outline for the episode it's something to keep in mind for next time i guess because honestly right. i would have i i kind of would have opted out of knowing that if no I, I sympathize with her uh and i i i guess i would like to apologize for for putting such a big spoiler up front but in At the, the same time, section. you're in the fucking spoiler section, so I don't feel that bad. Yeah, yeah, no. But, uh, but I get what you're saying, Heather. We'll, we'll, take, and it, I will... we'll take it under advisement because, like I yeah. said, I if I could have if I could have uh, if, if Jim had said, okay, I got something that might ruin your enjoyment of next week, I might have been like, don't tell me. But I'm glad he did. Robert Kirkman is writing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm actually retro. Like if I if I do Captain Hindsight, yeah, I'm glad you told me because okay. I don't even know how it had gotten through this podcast. <laughs> right. I, I I was allowed to learn to stop worrying and and love The Walking Dead. Love the bat. Uh, okay, Miranda R. says, I had a thought about why walkers and people are able to sneak up on these characters. And this is something we've talked about, uh, but I feel it's been renewed in Daryl getting snuck up on by Dwight. Okay. She says, it is highly probable that our main characters all have hearing loss due to the continuous firing of guns. Gunfire is extremely harmful to unprotected <laughs> ears, especially in close quarter spaces Damn such straight. as a tank or a prison. Um, and that's maybe also why they seem to talk so loudly in the woods and not be aware of how loud they're being. 
So my question for you guys is, do you think this is the reason the show can get away with so many of the moaning and clumsy walkers sneaking up on people, and also how characters like Dwight are able to sneak up on even the most skilled members of our group? So that is a possibility, um, and but I, there's one reason I don't think they're going with that, because if that were the case and these characters had hearing damage, there would be a lot more of, huh? What'd you say? <laughs> like going on in conversations. That would be hilarious if they did do that, though. <laughs> It would be pretty realistic, but because, I, yeah, though totally. Rick shooting at three fifty seven and the you know the tank was it that yeah. or is it the soldier's sidearm in the tank? It, it was something in the anyway. Tank, yeah. He shoots that, and then like all the concrete tunnels and shotguns yeah. going off near your head. Yeah, he'd be yeah. like you know mid midlife Beethoven at this point. Yeah, uh, Nick says when I saw the flashback this episode. Uh, for, or, sorry. When I saw the flashback with Morgan episode, Here's Not Here, I thought it was one of, if not the most important episodes for the story arc of the entire season. Plagued by horrendous timing within the season, not enough clarification, and Morgan failing to pass his message along, the spirit of the episode was easily lost, but they hit on something very, very important. Human beings were not made to kill other human beings. It takes a terrible toll on people emotionally and makes them do horrible things. We've seen this time and time again on the series with our group being able to pull through and find their better side. Many of the characters on the show have probably suffered PTSD or a serious mental issue at some point or another. Uh, some of the series have learned to cope with the apocalypse better than others. Groups like the Wolves, Terminus, or even the Saviors have gone over the edge and let the violence consume them, becoming the antithesis of our group, and forming unsustainable human civilization. This is why I think Morgan's story arc matters. The group must find some way to keep their own people sane and expand that to outsiders if they're going to bring new people into Alexandria. I'm not advocating them to perform Zumba and play in drum circles, but they need to do something. Going over the edge has been a recurring theme on the show, and it seems like something which could shape post-apocalyptic civilization for further seasons. Uh, I don't know how much we can talk about this, but with what we've seen of Negan's group not wanting to kill uh, our our group, Alexandrians, Mm -hmm. how does this play into what you think we might know about Negan's group? Like, this idea... Because he's... I think he's assuming here that the saviors are bad people and they've gone over the edge. But in my opinion, they're responding to Rick's actions. Well, then that that's a little bit hard for me to swallow. Like that the fact that they're so careful with Rick's life, they're only going to kill one of them. Right. When you see the library was decimated. Well, not decimated. It was destroyed because one yeah. guy shot at him. That doesn't seem internally consistent. And my big argument with this, the, the gentleman writing us, is that literally once a season we get an email saying the same thing i know yeah and i'm like so yeah it's like is it that important if we've dealt with it in arguably like you know we're on season six so in real showtime that's like season 14 because of all the half seasons all that crap is is it really necessary to keep making that or if you want to make a serious point about PTSD, then do, and maybe they're finally doing it with Carol, like someone that's like, you know, when, when Rick's had his rage outs and it's always been kind of cool and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, Rick's being a badass. Like if you want to make a legit point about be, people being traumatized or how to avoid being traumatized, uh, you can do that. But I don't think the way the show's doing it, it's like it's, it's almost like the way they're using it now, it's like a cloak. Like, oh, I can excuse any weird character things because these people are all traumatized and it's PTSD and they're all having psychotic breaks and who knows. But that starts to sound like when you don't take it seriously, like excuses for lazy storytelling. Okay. Like anything can happen because it's the zombie apocalypse. You know, any any strange behavior, any out-of-character behavior, anything that would 
like I don't think Rick would act that way could be excused as well he's traumatized. Mm-hmm. That might be true, but like I always say, I don't watch drama for super realistic depictions. I I, I watch it for entertainment value. Yeah, yeah. It, it I don't know. It's also interesting to me the the idea that Negan can kind of control people that are kind of nasty. I mean, what we've seen of the Saviors, they're pretty nasty people. Yeah, that's well, that's yeah. Like, how does a warlord rule a bunch of people who are kind of savage warlords in their own right? Like, right, right. You got a baseball bat, great. Um, you know, it could be. I mean, there is some interesting so- sociological explanations. Like, Things you're willing to kill into. people brutally, and most people aren't. Like, sure. even big, tough dudes have a hard time just, like, you know, beating someone's head to pulp. Like, mm-hmm. if and if you're willing to do that and inspire that necessary but, fear... <laughs> this is a problem I've always had with the Klingon ethos sure, and yeah. the Klingon politics. Yeah, is kill your way to the if, top. If you kill your way to the top, you're going to be dead once you get to the top, it's, immediately. It's the Sith, right? It, like, sure, it, yeah. You, you have an, uh, you know, an ed- inevitable yet sudden betrayal. Yeah, but that's real. Like that's like you know that's like uh, you know if you're in a uh, any kind of crime syndicate, right? Like I know they that's a trope on TV, but I feel like that's kind of how things really work. Um, I guess that that organization might be able to to proliferate, but yeah. there's going to be a lot of turn, a sure. lot of turnover a lot of in turn. that high turnover rate. Yeah. And I don't think, like, the thing that is dramatized in the TV shows, it's usually not people dying. It's usually people getting arrested. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and taken out that way. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there's got to be, you know, I don't know. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. All yeah, that's left I, is cats. <laughs> I, I just wonder how Negan keeps it all under control. But we might find out next season. Uh, Natasha from the Unspoiled Podcast says, In last episode, Aaron is wondering aloud, why do they do this? Uh, I think she's talking about the uh, the cliffhanger mm-hmm. from this episode. She says, I think I can tell you why. This is a show that doesn't care about legacy, about telling a real story, about longevity, or a sustainable plot. This is a show that gets its lifeblood from the ups and downs of Twitter re- reactions and Facebook comments and the masturbatory idiocy of a follow-up show about itself that airs <laughs> right afterward. Uh, what is What are we? What are we? Well, we, we're not talking about ourselves. We're not talking about our own show. Like if we came on and did an after show for the Watching Dead podcast, I think we would we would fall into that. We're the guys jerking off, watching the other guys jerk off. I guess. Yeah, which is perfectly reasonable. <laughs> yeah, that's something humans engage in. We have PTSD. We're traumatized by watching the show for six seasons. Get off our back. Uh, she goes on. They don't care if you believe that Daryl is dead. They care that you tweet about the fact that you don't believe it. They want to ride the wave of free publicity and pop culture pulse. Because keeping the show at the forefront of conversation, whether that conversation is good or bad, is what they rely on. There's a certain amount of ingenious manipulation with the way it's written. Keep the amazing episodes just frequent enough that people keep watching, but don't bother putting that much effort into the plot because they need that energy to jerk off on social media or something. Uh, Basically, it's just like Jeff Winger said on Community. The funny thing about being as smart is that you can get through most of life without ever having to do any hard work. Yeah, Uh, They're letting their fans do all the work for them. So... And then she goes on to say she decided she's quitting her uh, Walking Dead podcast. Wow! Uh, she posted it on Facebook the other day. So I will be because that's the thing. Like I, I'm, I'm making a point uh, to listen to a lot of Walking Dead casts this week. Okay. Because I, you know, I know the I, I've got pretty reliable barometer on who is kind of the the, the kinder, gentler ones, who are the go for the throat casts, and I kind of wondered if 
this would be the breaking point for some of them. But I, you know, apparently it was for yeah. For Nat- I can totally understand. And Alan Septimore gleefully yeah. noped out of it this week. Yeah. Um, but that's an interesting point to raise. Like, you know, the old slogan: "No publicity is bad publicity." Uh, I don't. Can fi- that be true if you get your audience talking about your show one way or another? Well, it's interesting because I feel like that no publicity good is is there's no such thing as bad publicity is only true if you skillfully react to the bad publicity. Okay. And and use that to change the conversation to something you honestly want to talk about. If you're just getting bad publicity all the time, that's not good. And and I guess where I would uh, disagree with Natasha here is when she says it's a genius move because I feel like it's ultimately. Yes, people like reacting about Daryl getting killed or Glenn getting killed or whatever, but mm-hmm. reacting – there's nothing to react here. Someone died who? Right. That's not that interesting a question, which makes me think – I think the marketing people really don't know what they're doing. They think they know what they're doing, and they're blindly going after that, okay. but they don't understand – they really don't understand the fan base and what makes them tick. At least the, at least the hardcore. Or they like, do. I mean they lean into the shipper stuff. They lean into a lot of that the stuff that makes these kind of shows tick these, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, soap opera light shows yeah, where they're just doing the same thing over and over again and shocking you for the sake of shocking you. And so there's this like kind of in pseudo intellectual football guy, Greg Easterbrook that used to do a Tuesday morning quarterback column. And he'd, when he was discussing like the scandal du jour with the NFL, and there's been a lot of late, mm-hmm. he'd always say the thing that the NFL doesn't realize is that there's no immutable law that you always have to be popular. Like you have to kind of prune your bushes. Uh, if you, if, if, if you, if, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with this metaphor. <laughs> okay. You have to steer your ship in a certain direction. If you want to maintain relevancy in the pop culture, it's you, not just going to happen. It's not just like you, you are not on the goddamn Titanic. And even if you were, look what happened to that. Okay. I think yeah, I don't. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm swinging. I'm swinging for the metaphorical fences here. What I'm saying is, what is his point? <laughs> his point is like just because you're popular today and you're this juggernaut that's making billions and billions of dollars of millions and millions of people, the most popular sport on the planet, right? Doesn't mean tomorrow if you continue to let this bullshit happen that you will be. And I feel like that that's the Walking Dead in a nutshell. They think okay. because they're the hottest thing on Sunday night with tens of millions of people watching them that it will always be that way. Not how are people going to eat our lunch? Yeah. And and if we do this, if we do this Pavlovian reaction to our fan base, when do their you know when when do they stop salivating when we ring the bell? And then. When that happens, what do we do? Like, if you're relying on tricks and no substance, you have to have enough substance to bring people back because the tricks, people get burnt out on that. You know? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I would much rather watch a show with solid storytelling than gimmicks that try to keep me coming back next week so, to find out what happened next. And like, now they're like, it feels like the gimmicks are now like one step even removed where it's not jerking us around the who's going to die and all that stuff, but... Literally jerking us around on who's going to die. Okay. You know, it's not Beth's dead and, oh, my God, what's Daryl going to... It's, it's who fucking died. I don't even know. Yeah. That's bad storytelling. All right. Well, Dan from Philly, I think, is going to agree with you. He says, what what probably... Uh, that was probably the series finale for me. 
When you take something that should make your heart ache and turn it into a who shot JR piece of garbage, <laughs> then the show becomes the epitome of bad 80s melodrama. Yeah. I could write paragraphs detailing what I think sucked about the season, but it's all been done to death. Even from a business standpoint, this ending makes no financial sense. The only reason to buy the Blu-ray of a horrible season would be for that uh, that closure of a knockout ending, but they managed to screw that up too. Typical. Um, he has another question, but I, I wanted to, to address this point, first of all. So... That's interesting because obviously you remember who shot JR. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big thing that got everybody talking, g- good or bad. Like that created a buzz, right? But it's also a sharp, a shark jump, jumping moment, right? It did, now, did that? I, so this is before my time. Did that kill the show? Is that a thing that like people it noped out? Probably on? no. It that was like the, represented the peak because I know that okay. that whole stop plot line got walked back because it was all a dream sequence, and then it re- okay. re- re- well and truly jumped the shark. But right. yeah, like that's not. I don't think Dallas trajectory is where you want to be on. Okay, that'd be like saying, uh, you know, like this is the this is the X Files movie moment. Yeah, that's that means you're at the precipice of a cliff that you're about to fall off. Hmm. I don't. Yeah. Or like okay. late season lost where, you know, oh, what's fine about the origin of Jack's tattoos. Like, uh, well, there was so much in Lost that did keep me coming back. And I don't know if I've just moved beyond that or or if there was something different about it. But like when Benjamin Linus is introduced, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, who is this guy? Where is he from? And there was so many cliffhangers around him and the others. And sure. Like, but but I'm things. trying to think this, the, the fundamental difference between like the hatch. Uh huh. The Hatch came at the end of season one, which had been a stellar season, and that was a really interesting episode. And it was opening up a door for a new mystery, like, oh, right. where is this going to go next season? What's in the Hatch? <laughs> a main cast member dying in first-person perspective and you don't know who it is is not – that's an artificial mystery. It's not – like, Rick, yeah, you're Rick right. is not wondering what the hell is this Hatch. Michonne is not wondering what the hell is this Hatch. Carl is not one like someone's brains are leaking out on the ground and everyone knows it but us but the audience. Okay. That's crazy. Uh some people their their next email is directly related to this. So I'm going to go to it. Ciara says uh just finished the Walking Dead season finale and I feel cheated. We were led on an emotional roller coaster. The last 5 minutes my heart was beating so hard and I had anxiety that I hadn't felt in years watching this show. Sure. All to be left on a cliffhanger? Are they serious? Way to piss off everyone. Uh, I was almost to the point of tears. Watch five minutes of The Talking Dead to hear their silly explanation of, well, we didn't show it because whoever it was, that starts a new story. What the right. fuck? <laughs> right. And she goes on. That's crap. Uh, and Jay also wrote in with this, this, and I wanted to give him credit too. But uh, it would have been way more effective to show the person, uh, the victim, and everyone's reactions than fade to black. Uh, and then maybe the saddest line in this entire email I will be back in October, but holy hell. Well, you know, that's the one thing, like, <laughs> talking all about all this about what they're doing to the fan base, like, you know, yeah. we're hitched, because, like, even though I'm coming back from October, I know for a fact there will be a lot of people that, that this is the final straw. Right. So, you know, at what point does, you know, I guess, like, it would be a sad day if we hang up our shop here before this the, the, the Walking Dead actually is over. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that, but at some point there'll be a combination of both of us being pissed off, lack of interest, and dwindling fan support, and it'll probably happen. Uh, I, yeah, if it doesn't, it's almost a shame. 
Yeah. Because I, I don't know how many times you can fuck up like this and just but, keep And that's the thing, back. man. These are so easily avoidable. Like this... Yep. They were really on the cusp of having something special here at this back season, going into one of the most memorable moments of the show, going into one of the most memorable storylines, some of the most interesting stuff, and they just fuck it up voluntarily. It was right there. And I don't consider this a spoiler, but if you're super sensitive to comic spoilers... Check out for like thirty seconds because I want to talk about. I reserve the right to edit how this. <laughs> how they did this in the comic. Okay, in the comic they just fucking show it. Yeah, they, they just... don't waste time with this. Come back next issue to see who the fuck. No, they was they, killed. They beat somebody's brains out. They show you dragging him up. They show you beating him. They show the aftermath. Done, and then the the comic ends. Right. Yes, that's how you do it. That leaves people stunned and in shock. I, and I, not... can ver- I can vouch that I that was there's a, there's not been very many moments where I was shaken. Like Game of Thrones did it to me once, where I had right. to like put the thing down for a couple weeks and like fuck. But yes, it, and it was. It makes me wonder like where the blame goes for this because does Kirkman? I know he likes to remix and he says he made mistakes in the comic and he liked to do things different. Is this one of those moments, or is this a moment where From he's like, their... this worked in the comic, it's iconic, let's do it, and they say no. The I got the impression no. from the Talking Dead and the demeanor of the gentleman that <laughs> they, it felt like they were having to take, some, even though that was a puff piece and there wasn't any tough questions, I don't feel like they liked what happened. Do you think maybe that's because of the aftermath of the Glenn stuff, and they were just worried, or was that well, they had because they really that. didn't like because that happened what last? Was going no, on. I I feel like the day if if they were given free creative hand would have just shown it because they're, I mean, what whatever you think of Kirkman and Gimple as storytellers, they are storytellers, and you right. got to know that's a worse way to tell the story. It is entirely to do... I would hope so. It's entirely to to get... I don't think these people are stupid, and it's entirely to get a reaction out of a fan base. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, felt, I feel a little sorry for him. I feel a little sorry for him. <laughs> okay. As sorry as I can feel for rich millionaires. It, well, as sorry as I can feel not knowing who made the calls, um, not knowing whose decision this was, right? Because it's quite possible that Kirkman was like, yeah, I don't want to do what I did in the comic, and... And this is much better, much more effective. And everyone was like, I don't know, dude, but okay. I don't know. I don't know where the blame lies here. I mean, the other thing is, like, so so put aside the fact that, like, you're going to get spoiled if you're a hardcore fan. And you're going to have that emotional reaction stolen from you by fucking AMC's marketing department. Right. Put aside that. Structurally, opening up the next season with someone getting beat to death definitively, the first episode or two has to be an anticlimax. There's nothing. I mean, right? Yeah. Like, I, if, if if you're expecting people to regroup and like, but now you're kind of like a guest looking for. I I don't. It just structurally like our. And there's already been a lot of jokes on the Reddit and on the forums. Like, oh, now we're going to go off for three episodes and find out about the horse lords with Carol and more. And like, if they do that, or there's suggestion in our email section here that they jump back for the saviors and we see some of the origin stories of like the Alicia Witt character and like oh, all these characters cr- oh, that have the been governor killed off. arc for fucking exactly that's exactly what I was thinking of is three episodes of fucking governor that we all hated there's no way they'll do that right I mean if they do that like I guess like 
who's watching to find out who got beat at that point? You're watching despite it. You're watching, you're like, oh, God, I'm, I'm still interested in the story. I, I want to find out what happens next. But, Jesus, can we just put this behind us? But this is a pattern with this show. I mean, they did it with Morgan This is last by far the worst. With Glenn in the dumpster. They, yep. they did a three-episode run where we didn't find a fucking thing out about it. Yep. Everyone hated that. Don't do that again. And it seems like that's what they're setting up. Because yeah. coming back straight into this scene and just showing who got hit doesn't And you can see some asshole social media manager, AMC, saying, see, I told you, everyone's talking about right. it. Right, 60,000 tweets in an hour. Not knowing, that they're, not knowing that they're burning through goodwill. Like, they're just, right. they're, it's like they're setting money on fire. Look, look how much money we've got. We can just burn it. Like, you earn it back, motherfucker. Let's see you try. Right. Ugh. Uh, I did want to go back briefly to Dan from Philly's other question. He says, hey, guys, forgot to mention in my feedback email, what happened to the fucking RPG? One shot at the saviors on the checkpoint, and they could have taken out 50 of them. Why would you leave your most powerful weapon that you know can do all kinds of damage at Alexandria with a bunch of people who can't shoot straight to begin with? That would have fucked up their plan pretty nicely if you just put an RPG in the middle of those 30 guys. How could they ever guess that they'd have an RPG? You just uh, Rick just steps out, and he has Abraham behind him. (laughs) I mean... I'd have somebody surfing the top of the RV with the RPG ready to go. But no, that's a fucking unanswerable question. Wow. Defense, that's a game breaker. Like that's all I can all I can think is, you know what, if the shit hits a fan at Alexandria, let's have an RPG backup. Maybe. But yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Like those one RPG to those roadblocks and they're done. And they have multiple rounds with only one launcher, so maybe it is for last ditch defense. I guess. But that didn't seem to be part of the plan. One thing we didn't talk about in this episode is they had a fucking plan. Like, Gabriel goes up and he outlines, like, look, we've got escape routes. We've got fallback points. I started to make that point, but then I got distracted. Yes, I had that. Yes. So so kudos on that. Now, but here's the thing. Next episode, or like in next season when Alexander gets overrun and they're all running around and chickens with their heads cut off. Right. I guarantee we're going to be like, where's your fucking plan, Gabriel? Because you know they're going to (laughs) forget about that. Yeah, they might. They might. Uh, let's let's go to some visual effects stuff because we've talked about like the the episode where the blood splatter kind of hit the camera. Uh huh. We did a little bit of that. Tom from Detroit says uh, the cliffhanger was a move that you see from a desperate show trying to save itself, and the first person point of view with blood dripping was the cheapest effect I've ever seen on television. And I used to watch MST3K. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, it didn't look good even. No. I don't know what they're doing. Their their visual effects are not as good as their physical effects. Sorry. Uh, and I don't know why. Well, for it's it's hard to pull off a first person shot of someone getting their brains beat in. I guess. I mean, all you got to do is like they go make hardcore, a convincing blood hardcore drop. In, I get yeah, but it's going to look cheesy because that's. I mean, if you it, can that's do... not how it looks. Like if you're getting your your head beat in, I guarantee right. that's not the what it looks like from your point of view. Yeah, you get hit in the eyes with blood. You're gonna oh, squ- you're gonna squint. You're gonna close your eyes. You're not gonna see anything. Uh, just I mean, like I said, they <laughs> they really fuck. I mean, and the way they chose to shot it, like I don't know if they're going to just show us again from a third person perspective, like when they finally get around to doing it. Mm-hmm. But man, they I feel like that they there was a lot of. Re- I mean, it wasn't just that someone got beat to death. It's so sickening. There was a lot to it. Like that taking it like a champ is a real moment in the fucking comics. Hmm. And it's just a like throw off line that you might not even hear because they got the echo effect. I mean, it's just man, what a you what think a they're you think they're gonna decision. rewind about 
uh, two minutes on this thing. I have no idea. Seven. I mean, I because and show us the scene again, but this time not from the POV. You're asking me like if I was The Walking Dead, what would I do? How do you salvage this? I don't if you're know. You're Aaron Hubbard, and you're in the writers' room. They they say, you know what, Gimple, you're out. Because Kirkman, with you're Glenn, out. they Aaron, didn't you're really. In. They didn't really. They're just like he wiggled out from underneath it, and life goes on. Right. Right. Which in, in which if they do that with this, you've just thrown away one of the best moments in the comics. Yeah, I, I don't know how I'd salvage this either. I wouldn't have done it like that in the first place, but that's just me. Okay, uh, Jesse B says, yes, the ending of the finale is awful, but do you think that AMC could do anything further to miss the mark regarding the conclusion in the season seven premiere? <laughs> and we've we've kind of hinted on this, but. I want to talk a little bit more about like, it. Are we, are we you, saying, how could we make it worse? <laughs> right. Uh, do you think that the creative team might try to set up Negan's backstory in early episodes of the next season, similar to how they wrote the Governor's storyline? Uh, we kind of talked about that already. Sorry, got ahead of you there, Jesse. Uh, what will your reaction be if no major character died? Of the lineup, Aaron was the character that was had the least development and pretty inconsequential to the season as a whole. If it's revealed that he was Negan's victim... Do you think that would be a good cop out, or do you think that would be a cop out? Right? What if he beats the brains out of Dwight <laughs> for letting his dick get bit? <laughs> I don't. Know. I mean, I guess that would be the most farcical or the taunter. Like he just does something crazy, just beats one of his uh, own men to death. Like, like the, the you know, yeah, mustache man, whatever. Because that's like the tropiest thing. You think the, the big bad's going to kill one of the heroes, and he turns and executes his lieutenant. Yeah, it's. It's like I don't know. I honestly, if it doesn't matter who they kill at this point, it's no, already done. It's for the me. bell, it's like, you know, not to sound like Lex fucking Luther from Batman for Superman, but the bell has been rung. You can't unring it. Like, and right. it's it's been rung. That's the thing. Like, this stuff is all additive. Uh, the thing with Glenn, the thing with Morgan, yep. the thing with now, who the fuck knows? It erodes on. Like, you can only jerk around a person so much before it's like. Drink more Ovaltine? Fuck you. Like, we're all Ralphie, uh, and we're all continually disappointed, and, you know... I, and that's... I got it. The show is still so effective despite itself, and it's like, it's just... That's what I've been saying for fucking years. It's so easy for them just to stop doing this shit and make a really compelling show. Like, yeah. wait till you see the... Ra- like, social media, man, wait till you see the ratings when you make a good show consistently. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, ah, uh. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, we haven't talked about one other aspect of this um, that is undermined is you get people talking right now. You get people speculating, who is it? And you get so much speculation and all the angles are explored. Then you can't surprise anybody because yeah. everyone has gone over and over and over for six months. Yeah. No one's surprised. No one's shocked. They're like, yep, call that. Oh, Reddit called that six months ago. Where were you then, Walking Dead? Right. You you take not only the emotional punch out of it, but also the surprise of it out yeah. by pushing it off for six months. Yeah. And it's possible so. to be a dedicated fan of a thing that you probably shouldn't be. Like, I, uh, you know, it's it's like my relationship with Destiny. You know, like, I'm genuinely excited for new things that are coming, like, and, but it's, it's so, it's such, it's, it's, I, but I'm aware that it's weak sauce. Like, they're bringing back an ex- exotics from year one to year two in lieu of new content. And I'm genuinely excited about that, but, hmm. but I know I can't go to you and be like, oh boy, Destiny is the greatest thing ever. Cause I, if, you, if I, so some way got you to play it, you'd be like, this is the same bullshit as last year. I'm out. And I feel like that's where, like, 
Breaking Bad fans, you got to see this show. People see the show and like, oh, shit, you're right. Walking mm-hmm. Dead fans are in a position where, like, are you really going to tell your friends, hey, man, Walking Dead's better than it's ever been. You should, you, you got to see it. Because they're going to get to this and be like, what the fuck are you wasting my time with? You, you don't even like, have that, right? You go to your friends and say, oh, ki- who are they going to kill? And they're like, I don't know. I don't walk the show. And you're like, will it be Glenn? Will it be Daryl? That's what I'm saying. Will it like, be Aaron? Like, it's, it's where it's I, like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I haven't seen the show. Instead of being able to say, they just had the most amazing yes, cliffhanger, or that's the most amazing at. season finale. That's yeah. what I was getting at. Just like, I can't be a Destiny evangelist. I can still love it, and I do, and I, and, but I, I, right. I, I can't, I can't tell my friends it's the greatest thing ever because I don't even believe it. I like playing it, but like, I can't really justify it. So you don't, do you so really want to put your fan base in that position? Bungie, I mean AMC. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know. Uh, so Brett had some comments about, uh, you know, how this is going to get spoiled over the next six months with contract renewals and tweets from cast members and shit like that, which we already and it went will. over. It will. Um, and he's yeah, hundred percent sure it will get out. And the ones that are most fucking hurt by it are the hardcore fans. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. So. Uh, Thanks for that, Brett. I'm going to move on to Brian from Jupiter, Florida. He says, I have a real problem with the show uh, and how it's portraying the saviors. One moment, they are completely incompetent and helpless to stop the slaughter from our group. And the next moment, they have planned out this elaborate rat maze spanning dozens of square miles, all to scare our group. It's obvious that the saviors are only as competent as the plot needs them to be. Also, how can the saviors know the area well enough to block off all the side roads, but not well enough to know about the Alexandria settlement? Well, so I have so less problem 23... with that because I think they've done a good job of showing that, like, Negan underestimated Rick, didn't know about Rick, uh, and has spent the last few weeks doing the intelligence. They know exactly mm-hmm. where Alexander is. They know what what their cars look like. They know who goes in and out and what routes they take. And they've been mm-hmm. slowly building this noose around them while Rick, in in contrast, and this is something Glenn said last episode, has been more and more confident. Right. Because they've won these early skirmishes. It's like you finally, you know, you kicked the tiger in this ass and you had no, you didn't even know it had teeth, let alone a, a, a plan to come up with dealing with it. So now you got the, t- the tiger's teeth and, oh shit, it's got claws too. Fuck. <laughs> the ass sure was easy to kick though. Okay, let's go to uh, something completely different here michelle python michelle from california so many people are pissed off they didn't uh that the show didn't tell us who was on the receiving end of lucille tonight but i'm actually part of the minority on this in my opinion if you're writing a really good season ender you need a cliffhanger it's the nature of television if we were shown who was beaten and there was no mystery at the end of the episode what would be the thing that kept you constantly thinking and talking about the show and eager to come back for next season if they had shown who Negan killed, it would have left you with a gut punch, feeling pissed off and sad for the loss of a beloved character, understandably so, of course, but there would not be the same level of suspense and anxiety that every good cliffhanger needs. In a show of this caliber, you need a what-the-fuck moment that leaves your jaw on the floor, not one that leaves you saying, okay, well, that happened, what next? I... Let me let me finish out this email, because I know we both disagree with this, but I wanted to get yeah, a yeah, different perspective sure. on it. Uh, do I think Kirkman and Gimple get this right every time? Fuck no. Do, but do I think they got it right this time? I personally like this episode, even though I was fearful, anxious, trembling, and felt nauseous Closer, uh, the closer we got to the final minutes. Jeffrey Dean Morgan did a really fantastic job in his first appearance as Negan, and the entire cast knocked it out of the park. Uh, baseball, bat, pun not intended. <laughs> so 
I, I know that neither of us agree with this. Um, I just, I don't even know if cliffhangers have that much of a place in season finales. Like well, week to week, it, it might be okay. Um, Netflix model, I feel like some of that can be okay when I can just click the button and go, move on to the next one. Yeah. Or to, in Netflix case, not even click a button. Sure. Just do nothing. Sure. And move on. Just do nothing. Uh, I just, I don't think it works in first run TV shows and especially not at a season finale. And I just disagree that. You know, I love you, I respect you, Michelle, but I disagree with the thesis that what next is not a cliffhanger. You've got right. you got Rick on his knees with a vastly superior force that has completely outthought him and outfought him. He won battles, he lost the war. What yeah. do they do now? And I feel like ultimately they, they're they're vassal serfs of this of this warlord. How do they yeah. get out of it? Because the thing is they don't have the numbers in Alexandria. They don't have the numbers in the hilltop. What yeah. are they going to do? That is an interesting... That's a scary thing. Yeah. That's an interesting question. And here's the thing. I ultimately want to be able to identify and be put in the shoes of these characters, right? Yes. This does the opposite. This takes me out because these characters see the death. They yeah. see who gets hit. And They're reacting to it. you can hear them reacting. They're screaming and crying. Right. And... And, and I'm taken out of it. I'm prevented from being in the scene with the characters because I'm literally pulled out of the action by yes. the camera angle. Uh, and by this cliffhanger, and I just don't think it works. But again, like I want to be a character. You I can be like there. this episode. I like this episode too. I just think the last right. end is is horseshit, and yeah. it would have been it would have been a lot more effective if they had just shown it, so we can deal with it and we can talk about these questions, like what happens next, because yeah. which we haven't done. There's a lot of fascinating questions, right? That you we're can't too, get back there because we're still we're like you know straddling these two possibilities. You got Schrodinger's main cast member. Yeah, there's no way to talk about it. Yeah. Until we open that, the season seven Blu-rays, and no. we figure it out. Yeah, like, fuck this. I don't want I don't quantum know. physics in my Walking Dead, man. <laughs> Unless they're really going to go all out. Sure. Then I do. Uh, Devin from Virginia says, first off, I want to say, I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. Uh, now, to be fair, I've not read the comics, so I don't know how accurate or how well he pulled off the character, but I loved him. He was intimidating, yet oddly compelling and charming. I also love the decision to film the Lucille beatdown scene in first-person POV. It was an effective way to shoot something that would have been far too brutal to air on AMC otherwise. Uh, which, I know, I know. We, we don't have to jump in and disagree on all this stuff. So. Well, no, that's the thing. Like, I'm not saying that the point of view is what ruined it. If, if if they're like, look, you cannot. It's that being the end. You yeah, you 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 definitely have. You could do this where Negan points the baseball bat at a person. You go to pers- first person view to see the beatdown, and then you come back and you see like maybe from a long angle of this person lying prostate and their head is ruined, and you can have close ups of everyone's face crying and all the grief and like you know depending on who it is, there's going to be like if it's Aaron beat to death. Daryl's going to have a stronger reaction, maybe. Right, right. If it's Michonne beat to death, it's going to be Rick and and Carl that are, like, losing their shit. It's it's going to be different depending on who it is, right? So I'm not saying, like, the first the decision to go first person was not the original sin here. The original sin is not showing us what the fuck is going on and, and how we can react and, 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 and just trying to make this artificial mystery. Because, again... Right. Or like, or cut it right. Cut it as he starts the eeny meeny miny mo and fade the black slowly as he's going out, and then you can fade back in. That's something that it's still stupid, but it's less stupid than this. Okay, 
uh, along the lines of the brutality and not being able to show it uh, on air. He says, you might be able to get away with the head being crushed into a pulp on HBO, but probably not on AMC. I disagree. There's a head crushing in Breaking Bad that is pretty brutal. Uh, that's that's on AMC, mm-hmm. <laughs> originally aired. Uh, and in an odd way, I think even though you don't really see the gore, it's almost more visceral because it puts you in the victim's shoes. If by putting you in the victim's shoes, you mean that you're dead, you're no longer a viewer, sure. <laughs> a lot of people seem to have that opinion. Yeah. Uh, here's something I do agree with. The sound design was masterfully crafted and legitimately made me uneasy because I'd imagine that might be what it would actually sound like for yourself as you're dying by a bat to the brain. We didn't talk about this much, but I think the soundtrack in this was pretty good, both the Foley stuff um, and and the actual like score. Yeah, he had, I think it was he real was doing good. this kind of um, I don't what would you call that musical note during the Negan thing? Uh, I forget exactly what it sounded like, but I think it was reminiscent of like running a pick up a guitar string real slowly. Ah, yeah, uh, it was just kind of cre- it was really was creepy like, and tense. Yeah, and I like you're right, uh, like a lot of sound design, a lot of the musical cues. Um, and again, I'm not saying the first person view was bad. Okay. It's, it's withholding the info. I mean, I, yeah, obviously if this was on HBO, it could have been just balls to the wall. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. and HBO wouldn't be fucking with them on this marketing shit neither. Uh, okay. but, but yeah, uh, if you have to do first person for the sensors, I question that because again, last season I saw men get, get beat over the head of the baseball bat and then their throat slit like they were cattle. Yeah, and I remember being disturbed. It was disgusting. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. American sensibilities are weird. I don't understand it. <laughs> they are. So, uh, but me, I know people have them. So whatever. Let me uh, continue with Devin's email. He's actually, I don't know if he quite contradicts himself here, but he says, "That being said, fuck this scene. All the pros of this scene's execution are not nearly enough to cover the cons. I'm sick and tired of The Walking Dead pulling this non-committal bullshit." Perhaps I'm overreacting, but I think the decision to not show who was actually killed is just as bad as the Glenn Dumpter, Dumpster fiasco, perhaps worse. I just think The Walking Dead had a had. I just wish The Walking Dead had the balls to commit to a choice and deal with the consequences. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know where exactly where you fall on this, Devin, because it well, seems like you're saying maybe speaking he was out saying, of both sides of your mouth. Maybe here. he's saying the stuff that I could agree with. Like I don't think that the camera choice and all that was a bad way to do oh, it. Oh, okay. He's saying Making it was between the, just not showing the death yeah. and, and the POV. Do you think that they're they're so cynical that they're actually monitoring, like they're trying to get social media metrics to find out who the person that they can kill? Like, like they like they don't even know in the writers' room who they've killed yet. They're like waiting to see. Who's the one like kill anyone but this, or is there any way that they're monitoring this to to carefully craft it? Uh, that doesn't make it better. I'm not saying that's that like was, interesting. I'm just saying like I wonder how cynical they are about this. That was definitely uh, suggested by some of our emailers. Like, really? Maybe they don't even know who they're killing yet. Maybe they're doing the Villigan thing of writing themselves into a corner that's and not seeing the where Vill- they come out. I know, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. That, but. The idea of kind of writing to an end you don't have yet. Sure. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, again, that's not interesting, but I wonder if that's what they're doing. Like, that's a very cynical kind of like choose your own adventure. And I'm not sure where which direction they'd come from. Are they like, what's going to have the maximum emotional impact or who is the one we can kill and get away with? Right. But not too popular. Uh-huh. Like, like... 
let it let let the discussion come up in air who we think is going to die and like uh like oh you know aaron i guess that'd be traumatic because there but i could live with that is that what they're going to triangulate towards or like anyone but daryl i don't know and is it, it can't is it be... something they can is is it is it something they can use in the negotiation table with a person like Norman Reedus where <laughs> hey, hey we could kill any of you yeah like so... yeah you want a million dollar an episode but you could just get a baseball bat and die right and then you get no paycheck then you get a union among the Walking Dead actors where they all <laughs> say fuck you we want more money and what are you gonna do kill us all with a baseball bat <laughs> uh, I don't know replace them with scab. Right. Scab act like like the de- like just the... people in bad wigs. No, coming like back they did that with Dukes of Hazard, man. They oh replaced the main ca- and they just You're had right. the cousins totally come did. in for some reason. Yeah, like you just have uh, you know you just recast Rick. Why not? They do the James Bond. Sure, I can uh, see you these fuckers out, making those arguments. You pointed out though that in the story they can't really kill Rick or Carl, but they it's... can recast them for sure. <laughs> they can recast them, maybe so, uh, but they can't kill them because he specifically says, "Look." If anybody squirms or says shit when I beat this person to death, uh, poke out Rick, Carl's other eye and feed yeah, it to Rick. So, so, you, so implying you do know they're both that it can't alive. Be them. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yep. So interesting. I you said that during the live watch, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Brian from Maryland says I have a theory that Dwight actually saved Daryl's life by shooting him in the shoulder. Dwight knows Negan and his group well, and probably knows Negan will not make a spectacle like this and then kill someone who is sick or maimed. Which might also eliminate Maggie, Carol, or Daryl, which hmm. I don't think Carol's in the running here. Uh, no, Carol's not even in the group. Yeah. The reason Dwight might do this is because Daryl helped him out earlier in the season, and this is payback. What do you think of that? A, how do you think Daryl feel, or Dwight feels about Daryl, and B, do you think he's trying to protect him? And Man. do you think Negan would kill a maimed or injured person? Uh, it's hard because I got to recuse myself because I know too much about Dwight in universe. Oh, okay. Um, and his deal. Um, All right. <laughs> I will say it is kind of interesting to see what you, what was your perception of his character from the last season or last half season versus how he's come back now. It changed a lot when he came back. I I feel a lot more malice and a lot more anger and so, so toward, toward Daryl. So so you. So I'm not on board with that suggestion. I don't think that's what he was doing. If, if you're a non-comic book fan and would want to meditate on that character change, yeah. that could be fruitful. Okay. <laughs> Mildly interesting. Yes. Shelby S. Yes, indeed. Says, why did they bother with the big emotional goodbye and good luck scene with Eugene if they were only going to show him captured in the next scene? It completely invalidated what was otherwise a, quite a beautiful character moment. How'd you feel about that with him just coming back? Yeah, no, you, you pull out the Eugene, we're not going to see Eugene music anymore, you have him hug it out, and he's literally back the next scene. No, that was that was stupid, too. But th- <laughs> okay. that's a symptom of, there's too fucking many people. Like this in the ma- cast? This, these, these are these, these butterfly wings flapping in China fucking shit up in Detroit, or whatever the, the analogy is. Like, mm-hmm. by doing this Maggie thing, and by having all these people outside running around Alexandria, you literally had a situation where the entire main cast is there for the 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 plucking. Yeah. And that meant you can't really do things like put him in danger because you then got to plausibly bring him back and it yeah, no, there's a lot of things that were structurally wrong and they had to know it was wrong and had to know it was bad when they're in the writers room or they're incompetent. And I don't think they're incompetent anymore. It I almost feel like this might have benefited from another episode this season. Like I don't say that very often. Well, this half season. 
because they have been balls to the wall most yeah, of this half I, season. I think they could have cleaned up a little bit of the morgalizing, but a small amount, but, not, but, maybe not a whole but, episode. But worth. No, the, the real problem is like they got all the main characters outside of Alexandria with no real good reason. Yeah. Just yeah. so you can all bring them back and put them in the dirt. And eh, right. Like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's, I, I don't understand it. And, you know, again, Kirkman is better in the comics and I don't even remember it that much because it's been a long time ago, but Jesus. Okay. Uh, Jerry G says on talking dead, Hardwick announced that they were going to have live Skype calls with viewer reactions. Oh, Yes. Which would have been amazing. Then, yes. after a spot break, Technical he said, difficulties. conveniently, the live feed was down, and they'd have to air pre-taped viewer questions, and Jerry calls bullshit on that. I thought that was very interesting indeed. And I also heard reports like Hardwick was seeing Twitter comments as they were doing this, and he yeah. asked some... He asked some he tempered his questions to Kirkman a little bit, mm-hmm. given the reaction, the visceral negative reaction on Twitter. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that if that also plays into that, but that is surprising. It definitely had the conspiracy bells going off in my head, but <laughs> I will say that just a sheer volume could have cr- legitimately crashed the system. You're right. It uh, absolutely could have. But, you know, they wouldn't be in this situation if they hadn't made a bad episode. So Here's the other thing about live call-in shows. Uh-huh. They have call screeners. Yeah. Like, so unless you're going to fake your way into cursing Hardwick out or cursing it, Kirkman they, out on the air. do all the time. You the can. Fen- but if, you're, if your call screeners are good, like real good, that shit shouldn't happen. Hmm. It's how, harder than you think. I, I, so I guess. But, like, the thing is how many call screeners they have. And let, let's say that. Right. Let's say they're getting 100 million calls and. 100 no, million sorry, calls. 100,000 calls and 999,000 of them are, I hate this shit. You right. should die in a fire. Uh-huh. If you got a hundred screeners, how are you finding that needle in the haystack where a fan's like, yeah. "Oh, I thought that was so expertly done, and I can't wait to see next season." And you know, you're yeah, looking, so you're looking for the minority. You're looking for the Michelles in the seas of Aaron, Aaron's, and Jim's. Yeah, for sure. And and it, like you said, it legitimately could have crashed with just volume. So yeah. I'm not ready to like pull the complete like the conspiracy cord here. Mailbag crashed and and due to volume. So right, I it overwhelmed get our all. screener here. I need I need a good no, let call me ask screener. You so are you saying the screeners are? Is there like a two step process where it's like they they call and they say, hey, what do you want to talk about? And then they then fake transfer you to Hardwick. Right, you get you get a Chris Hardwick and they let you run for like thirty seconds. Like, oh wait a second, uh, now you're going on. Did no, they do no, that? I don't think so. Well, then how the hell do you how yours acting like the questions like... you ask the they're the people's tones like it's harder to sound convincing about loving an episode than you would think. Mm. I I have to imagine anyway. I've, I don't know. I've never been a back in the days before Star sixty nine. I pranked many a business and individual, and I would dispute. <laughs> That's true, but they were eager to have to take your phone call. <laughs> These uh-huh. people are probably on guard. Like, let's keep the fucking let's keep the douchebags off the line. Okay. I don't know. Maybe the it's two-step process. I think would be genius. That would be get like uh, I don't know who can do a good Chris Hardwick impression. You're live on Talking Dead. I was get, to say, get him. Like that's get a generic, shout it, excited shout white it. guy, yeah, mm-hmm. and have him. You know. And then yeah, when they go fuck, you, or Kirkman, you just just say, hey, when you hear the beep, you're live on air. Okay. And like and do just like have that. Them go off on a time. I don't know. One of my my buddy Nick used to call him the Jim Rome show all the time, and there was like this process. Yeah, so I know uh, there's a process. I just yeah. don't. But I don't think I'm it was a two-step fake-out deal. It was <laughs> no, just probably not. You know, 
All right, Cindy M., for the past couple of weeks, uh, everyone has been speculating whether it's Glenn or Daryl that gets Negan's bat. After watching last night's episode, I have a feeling it's neither of these guys. I think it's Aaron. Hear me out. There was one. There was little, literally hey, leave me out of this. <laughs> literally no real reason for Aaron to accompany Rick and the rest of them to the hilltop, especially when one, all of your best fighters are not there to help defend Alexandria, and two, you know that another group is actively trying to kill you all. The only way of getting him out of Alexandria was for the writers to reintroduce the I owe it to Maggie bullshit. Uh, number two. Glenn and Daryl are huge show favorites. People like Glenn, Daryl, Rick, Michonne, Carol will get an on-screen death because they mean so much to the viewers. The writers and the producers only had one goal for this episode, and that was to build suspense that a beloved character dies by the hands of Negan and Lucille. Viewers like Aaron um, because he essentially saved our group. Uh, and three is a comic book spoiler that I can't read here. Uh, what... What do you think about that? The kind of the justifications for, oh, you can't kill somebody who's too big, but you do want to kill a beloved character. No, I, uh, I, I'm very... Sen- and this, I'm, this suspicious activity of Aaron going with them. It does seem like he could be the chaff to be easily separated from the wheat. It seems like it's too easy of a separation. Like, but also, like... You're giving me the shit I don't so, want. So I did a lot of follow-up research about the dead the dead lesbian trope. And, and, oh, okay. and, and, and Or bring out your gays kind uh-huh. of trope. And it is pretty breathtaking. And, you know, to the extent that... I, I don't feel like The Walking Dead is aware of, because of these landmines. Because they always fucking step in them. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, like, do damage control or not afterwards. But you kill the other openly gay character. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like you know, like The Walking Dead didn't have a black guy problem when they killed their first black guy, even though that's sure. a trope. They had the black guy problem after they killed their third black guy in two seasons, right? And it gave them zero character development in the meantime. Uh, so I don't know. I it is a little suspicious, but you know you pack an rv full of literally every main cast member save father G- i'm not even going to say spencer's a main cast member oh no and enid Fuck neither no. he's been in what three episodes total yeah, yeah like it's number speaking lines but i'm talking about like everybody except for enid and father gabriel is in this fucking rv yep what are you going to do <laughs> well and morgan and carol but right I'm surprising to have a final way to get them back in there too uh you think michonne's going to have to shave her head she got a big lock cut off she's going to have a big no. hole no. Where where a dreadlock should be? Nah, because Denai Gurira has uh, like shaved head or very short hair. Yeah, yeah, sure. She's uh, not I could see though. her being like, you know what? Fuck this wig. Cut off a lock. I'm going bald next season. It would. I mean, because she's super striking. Yeah. Uh, in, in her natural configuration. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's gotta be hot too. It's gotta be. You think like wig. when it's 98 uh. degrees in Georgia and you're wearing this fucking Hulk on your head. Oh, man. Um, I don't but feel good about that. it does... She is strike. But I don't know. She... She looks more physically imposing, like larger. With the big hair? Yeah. The, the big, big hair, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, when, uh, you know, an animal puffs itself out or you're supposed to stand up and like, oh, when, you, when you're... Yeah. I, I do feel like they would miss a little bit of that. You're a blowfish, Michonne. Yeah. She's blowfishing it with that hair. <laughs> All right. Uh, final email from Vicky. I know you guys don't usually watch Talking Dead, but Gimple said something about writing an epic episode to justify this death to the viewers. And Hardwick said that Chandler Riggs tweeted that he doesn't even know who got the bat. Combining all this with the bullshit ending makes me wonder, have they even made a final decision yet? I guess we talked about this. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 being... Uh, wait. On a scale of 1 
to being on the receiving end of Lucille, how frightened are you at the prospect, the possibility that the writers not not even knowing where they were going with this? I I, I think we frightened talked. is hard for me to say because like. You know they're capable of anything. I, they're a mad. They're madmen and women in this writers' room. They're capable of anything. I so. mean, frightened to me would suggest that there is a path they could take that would make all of this make sense and be awesome. That path has a fucking roadblock with a chain of walkers down it. That's done. Well, You're not going down that road. Yeah, and also you're honest, going down the oh my god they fucked it up again road. If I want to keep it real and one hundred. I would say that they kind of crossed that Rubicon with the Glenn situation. Okay. Like, I don't know that I will... Like, I I was shocked by Denise's death because it was so sudden and I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really affect me. Like, I'm like, oh, man, I really liked her. It would have been interesting to see you. And, yeah, her and Tara were cute. Like, yeah. Glenn gets beat to... Like, I guess Maggie would have a visceral reaction just because she's a pregnant woman and... You know, I, I bought enough into the patriarchy that that still means something to me. Uh, Daryl, like I've been, I've been actively campaigning for Daryl to die for like three seasons now. I think he's yeah. the most. Li- if you really want to get the fan base riled up and say anyone can die, then you do Daryl. Yep. Uh, Plus he has and, a ruined shoulder now. Yeah, he's. You know, that's uh, we didn't we talked about this in the live cast, but like they treat getting shot in the shoulder, arm, or leg like it's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, like, there's nothing in there. It's there's just a like sack of meat. Bones that if you hit, that's never going to be right again. There's veins. Yeah. There's veins and arteries that you just die. Mm-hmm. Like I saw Black Hawk down. I know what happens when you hit that femoral artery. Um, that's not that kind of show. I guess we're just supposed to that in a world without antibiotics and increasingly uh, few medical technicians <laughs> that getting shot in the shoulder, arm, or leg is no big deal. But anything but a heart or headshot, and yeah, you're you're good. Yeah. Maybe a gut shot if you don't get immediate attention. Sure. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I don't know. I think the line, that road has already been hoed, and there's no coming back. Uh, it would take it would take a season and a half of really careful storytelling for me to feel emotionally devastated by someone being... being and, and I don't know. Maybe they could have done it. They did it right this episode. Who knows? But, jeez, I... <laughs> now that they've done this, like... I don't care. Like they're going to hit me this in the first thirty seconds or three episodes into it. I don't care. I, right. I've got I got eight months to brace. Well, five months to brace myself for it. And I'll and I'll know. I'll know. You'll know. I'll know before, before the yeah. damn preseason coverage. What what what's happening? You'll know happening. who it is, how it happens. All sure. Of it. Yeah. yeah. You'll know the opening shots of season seven. It's all going to be there. So thanks for that, AMC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's about it. We don't have any more feedback. Are we doing a spoiler section? I don't have anything to talk about. I know I had I've something no I wanted to it. talk about, but I don't remember. And honestly, okay. this is long, and we've got a whole show coming up next week. So yep. if we want to make predictions and like hints, I, I know there were things I wanted to talk about, but if we want to talk about hints and predictions uh, for next season going on, I'd much rather punt it to next week. Okay. Let let some of this stink blow out of the room. See if we can, like, you know, come back and, and, and have an honest conversation about where we go with The Walking Dead. All right. That'll all happen in a week for sure. All right. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening and sticking with us for a bonanza of an episode here. Uh, we will see you next week with a recap of Season 6B. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. See ya.